0: Hey gang, it's Fillmore. For those of you who are Jonesing for the extra Sunday episodes no longer available on YouTube, you can access them on patreon.com slash JimFix, J-I-M-F-I-double-X. If you sign up for the whiskey sobbing computer board level at $2.50 a month, you'll have access not only to those extra Sunday episodes that are no longer available on YouTube, but you will get fifty percent of the Patreon content. Going forward, if you would like full access to all Sunday episodes, all Patreon content, including the last 32 episodes or 33 episodes produced thus far, just sign up for the Black Klugey $5 level or higher. If you want to give us more money, uh, you are more than welcome to. For those of you who don't do PayPal or Patreon, rather, we have a PayPal address as well. johnnythegreek 21 at Gmail dot com. For those of you who cannot get Patreon to work and would like to use PayPal as a method of monthly payment, we will only accept donations from the Black Kluge level or higher. And privately, personally, we will send you all the episodes on Patreon and the Missing Sunday episodes, of course
1: makes me feel like a you know what though but none of that stuff impresses me i'm not a big uh star effort i'm not uh, really
2: stop it just stop i'm not into stop, it please, please Do
1: you think i'm a star effort why go <laughs> because i've gotten friendly with uh kira she lives in my neighborhood
2: that's because you're a star effort
1: no she invites me to a million things <laughs> why is that a star effort she's a nice girl
2: what were you doing this
1: weekend i'm really into the internet now i've developed a love of the internet mm. And i can't stand that this this schlub phil graham is screaming that we have to censor the internet it's just it's it's repulsive to me it's repugnant listen i i'm very well versed on the new technologies you know what a sim card is yes i do okay. i do i see it in my phone everyone. All I right. take the you're battery. not only going to see it in your phone you're going to see it in your car very soon a sim card
2: you know mm-hmm.
1: And once that happens, it's called Game Changer. I never read the social media comments about this show. A, I can't stand social media because I hate that people have power now. You know, in the old days, if you hated me, you'd have to write a letter to the station. What do you think about Baba Bowie? What do you think about Artie? Everyone likes Artie. Artie's super funny. They describe him as, you know, a little bit crude, but funny and... Uh, they likable Boba Baba Booey Everyone loves Baba Booey I'm reading the research And then it gets to me And they go Well because Howard's So controversial But maybe this is the reason For the result Like 40% of the people Kind of like it. The rest of them Think I'm a fucking asshole Really? Crude, everybody disgusting. loves Artie
2: Oh Artie yeah They yeah,
1: love But everybody. are you sure They really know Who
0: made Baba Booey on? I don't know
1: They like you And the other thought I had was that If the FCC does Kick us off the air How would we reach These millions of people That listen to us will we just fade away what if we have an announcement to make to them or we want to communicate with them this would be a great contingency so make it free make it up there and let the fans have fun and i didn't have any moderators nothing. i said anyone with Do yeah, so now when you go on there it's like thousands of posts of just like and i don't even know who the people are it's almost like people who hate the show mm-hmm. more than people who like it and it's like you get on there and it's like stern sucks he's a homo uh, Robin's a pain in the ass That's a horse face uh, Artie's a, 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 a jack-off um, You know, kill Howard Oh well, what am I going to do? <laughs> anyway, the birthday bash is there for you for free And not because I couldn't sell it to a network Yes, many networks did want it But I thought. This but was who would ask. even
0: think that
1: way? I don't know And it, the, the thoughts are so rapid
0: Welcome, folks, to Colford Part 6. This is QF, a podcast about Howard Stern. I'm your host, Fillmore. And with me, of course, is Sam. Welcome back, Sam, from the snowstorm. It's no longer that issue anymore. How are oh, you?
3: Oh, I see grass on the ground. It's very wet and ugly, but it's there. No more snow.
0: Well, God bless spring. And welcome back to you, uh, Ben. How are you doing? Doing good. Glad to see you guys again. It's good to be into this one again and we're going to actually make a, some headway into education of Robin eventually um we're, we the the we, the consensus is that people want us to go into hurricane sandy saga but i do want to dip my toe in the education of Robin at least one episode so that we have an anchor in the uh, in the water um guys just a quick question, quick thing uh this particular episode we i realized that in the colford book it skims over howard's first job after bu Um, so, and it was like a a job in Newton, Massachusetts. And, uh, he explains it better in the history of Howard Stern, but it completely occurred to me that we were missing that. So we're going to go back in time a little bit, but so, but the first thing we're going to play is something called Jesus movie at Boston university debunked. (laughs) So in the, in the movie private parts, uh, they say he was, he wooed Allison by you know, calling her and selling her, look, I want you in my movie and it's going to be about Jesus. So
3: he he made himself seem like a, you know, a Louis B. Mayer type person. Like I'm casting you in this and you're going to be my Judy, but it's, it's not, it's not anything cool or like that. And it's, and it's not even really the plot that he even said, which I don't even know why he lied.
0: Well, this is what I don't understand. It says here, okay, in the top of page 33, um, first, as a part of a class assignment, Howard was enrolled in the broadcasting film division of the School of Public Communications. He convinced Allison to appear in a movie he was making about transcendental meditation. So that's we did cover that. But then in the movie, Private Parts, uh, they, they say it's about Jesus in the history of Howard Stern. This is what they said.
1: Listen's relationship started the two became virtually can inseparable. I can I be in the winter of 75 he passed his new girlfriend and fellow Schmaltz brother Bob Petrick in a student film Howard was making for class the second coming of Jesus comes Howard's again famous movie his uh, movie that he produced <laughs>
4: for his uh, cinematography class
3: Jesus. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? You know the movie, like, uh, 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 oh, God, it's Saving Something with the uh,
0: Saving Silverman with Russell
3: Brand with Russell Brand and uh, Kristen. I come on, and they do the rock opera, and he makes that rock opera at the end. Jason, no clue. Oh, Jason God. Biggs. Now I'm embarrassed. Get him to
5: the something. Get him to the Greek.
3: That Dracula rock opera. You know. No idea. I
5: I wonder the motives of a Jewish man who does not believe in Jesus and hates anyone who does believe in Jesus. Why would you make a why would you make a movie about Jesus? Um,
3: That and he also said that he kind of was atheist at some point in his life. And, you know, his religious, his religious beliefs are always cloudy for me. Like, I never know where he really stands at it because there's times where he seems like a real Zionist and other times where he's, you know, kind of flirting with Christianity. And then it's definitely there's nothing, there's nobody, you're going to go in yeah. the hole and that's it. Well, he, he, he ultimately...
5: He's ultimately just a magic think- magical thinker, and yeah. uh, he does pray to God whenever he wants something, and he credits his prayer whenever he, that something he wants happens, yeah. and yes. then you know, otherwise roasts anyone who, who would resort to that, to pray to the invisible man in the sky, as he
0: always says. Mm-hmm. Well, in the movie, in the in the, uh, we'll play a little more of the clip, and then we'll go into this abstract from the actual book, Private Parts. So okay. here's the last bit of that.
4: It was a big blockbuster cast. <laughs>
1: His first wife, Allison, who was going out with him at the time, had my girlfriend Orna and uh, me, and a lot of uh, Allison's uh, roommates. And the premise of the movie was
4: I was Jesus Christ.
0: Okay, so they—I don't know why they decided to make this, make this. Double down on the Private Parts mythology, like the movie mythology, and make this. Or is it just that Colford got it wrong? It's one or the other. I mean, well, well, if he got it wrong, then Howard got it wrong because this is from Private Parts. It said, um, "I still had figured she wasn't really into me, but I had this chance. So, sorry, but this chance encounter gave me courage. So I came up with an elaborate scam. I had to do a junior film project for one of my courses. I decided to do an eight millimeter documentary on transcendental meditation."
5: So, so I guess it it could be he just he just was wrong, and then Colford assumed he was telling the truth and reported it, as such, you know, got his did his research through reading private parts. It could which,
3: be. which if you did your research through private parts, then you know most of it's a fallacy. So right,
5: well that yeah, I mean he paints Howard as a loving father and, and a devoted husband, and he was none of those, neither of those things. But right. I think it was he was he I think. He might have, uh, you know, just taken Howard's word for it.
0: I suppose, uh, but then, but then, to get it in the movie completely off. I mean, and I talked about this with James Santiago, and uh, we both kind of questioned why, why make it about Jesus, except if you just don't want to appear like a kook. And I think you and I discussed this in the last episode as well, Ben. It it, it doesn't sound very rock and roll to it, or you know, it doesn't sound a very rebel rebel if you're making a film about a cult.
3: Well, yeah, I he, guess,
0: he actually. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: I guess you would have to, at the time, go back to what's more safe mm-hmm. to say. And I think if you were to say this now, or if you were to say this even like 15 years ago, more people were coming out and being, you know, a part of these sort of transcendental meditation mm-hmm. followings. Celebrities became more open about being and doing these things. But back Mm -hmm. then, I don't I don't really see any of them talking about that.
5: Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Back in the 80s, he actually snapped at Allison on the air when she said she needed to go meditate. He goes, don't say that on the air. (laughs) He snaps at her and says, I don't want people thinking that we're kooks. I mean, there's a good reason to. Uh, They they believed they could meditate and bring world peace. They actually yeah. were having an event where they were all going to get together in Washington, DC. Howard yep. interviewed, uh, the Maharishi yep. at that. On, and they were going YouTube. and they, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's no different from any other celebrity interview that he does now. Um, <laughs> a, a, anyway, so people were right to believe that they were kooky. Yeah.
3: Don't you think though, it is interesting the way he, Thinks about meditation though he thinks of it like you said as magical thinking to bring mm-hmm. him something he wants versus what I believe actual meditation could provide somebody if they're in that sort of mindset is the same thing as prayer or anything else. You're you're trying to set yourself outside of your ego mm-hmm. and you know bring a higher power. To yourself, to think outside of yourself. Howard uses it as something that's going to manifest something for him. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly backwards thinking for what it's supposed to be in general.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there's, you know, we, we di- we've also discussed about how there's Gary who's had an experience at least once. Robin's definitely had multiple experiences of getting scammed. And Howard has talked in the history of Howard Stern and of course the regular, regular, regular show about being scammed by people in the past. And then of course, going into TM and then you add getting things done. So it doesn't surprise me one bit that he, people can three card Monty him anytime they want, mostly because he's gullible, mostly because he's an idiot. Um, Like you add every, every, every single reason why. And it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that he could be taken for, you know, taken for a ride. So the next clip here, uh, I believe, is uh, audio from his Newton, Massachusetts job after BU. So this is going back in time a little bit, guys, but it's not in the Colford book very little except for one little blurb
1: i don't remember too much other than the fact that we had to get him a car to get to this studio. oh how
2: nice
0: (laughs) and especially considering the last breakdown we just did where i got very emotional actually because he was really abusive towards um ben and ray uh and and they're having to deal with their um problems in the um in the community, in the nursing home community that they are. And, and so this just underscores why people fucking hate him more than ever. Now
3: get, we had to get him a car. Yeah. Do, do any of you remember that in your life? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: uh, you know, my, my parents paid, for, my mom paid for a car when I was a teenager. And then I, yeah. I asked the payments, you know, you had, that's how it
3: you, what you had to do was pay them back. So they got a spreadsheet out and they said, here, you're going to have a 97 purple escort because that's what we're, that's what we're paying for. And it's 2000 something dollars, $3,000. And this is how much you're giving us every month or every week from your part-time job at the buffet. And you will be paying us until it's paid off. Mm Mm-hmm. There, there's no Not in certain and, household. No, no, you just we had to get him it. We had yeah. to get him a car.
0: And, and considering how little he can find his way back walking um, these days, you can only imagine him behind the wheel of a car and driving anywhere, especially probably, in New York. Yeah, he probably complained that the car didn't come with a driver. Why do I have to drive myself?
3: I can't see. You know, and even then, don't you feel the sense of privilege that your parents even got you something? Like, to me, it was like, I don't care what it is. That is so great that they can do that for me and I can pay it back. But at least I have this privilege of having a parent, parents who are doing that for me. Howard thinks nothing of this.
0: No, No. God, I think he more would
5: focus on why did I have to ask?
0: in the yeah, first place. Like, why didn't I get an 8-track deck in this thing? Yeah. Uh, I'd have to wait. Exactly.
5: That, that was after the VU. He got a job
1: in a commercial station near the school. Oh. Part time.
2: I thought it was to the
1: uh, college radio. No that, no, that was right on campus. Oh. So but, uh, uh, that's when we rushed he, out. I got he him told a... us about it. That, that but, much I do remember. So, you know, there again supporting him in what he wanted to do. I got him a car. And, they, you know, it worked out for him. I said, this is easy. Okay. Uh, Sorry, guys. Just going to let that one go. I'm still in college. I'm working at WNTN, Newton, Massachusetts. I'm happy. good. I get on a couple of times. He tells me what he's going to pay me. He's going to pay me a couple of bucks. I was like, hey, okay, I'm a professional now. And payday comes. I'm in the business. Payday comes. No paycheck. Right. <laughs> I said to the guy where's the paycheck? he <laughs> goes sucks. he goes you're horrible
5: <laughs> oh, no. He
1: no. goes I don't have to pay you you're lucky to be here
0: you're horrible are you serious?
1: Goes, no kidding he goes you're terrible I was I was
0: horrible
3: yeah but yeah but a you guy make a deal
0: you make a deal right. this guy he has was not to pay for your time this guy was a uh, Sam mm.
3: <laughs> It's just so funny that your parents are really making your full-time job and career happen mm-hmm. you know? I, I'm really taken aback by that amount of support after college from your parents, you know, mm-hmm. and for him to be so obscenely nasty to them and not grateful. Yes. There, there are parents that really support you after college. Once mm-hmm. that's done, you're on your own. Like,
0: well, yeah, it, you know,
3: you're on it, your own. Your life is your life. You yeah. make of it what you will.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, he oh, it's either it's either. Well, he's not grateful or he's in, in and especially he's indifferent sometimes uh, or if he's not outright hostile. Like why? You know, he got me a lousy this or, you know, and then he mentions he, it, it, at, tr- at times he mentions, oh, they paid for the freight. They paid for my college, ed- my education. But it's almost an afterthought. You know, the way he mentions it sometimes and then other times he's grateful. It seems like he's grateful. But I think deep down inside, no, he's never been grateful. He has no honor where that's concerned.
3: No, Doesn't it seem like he's always waiting for somebody to do something for him or see something in him? Like you, you hear him say, they thought I was. He doesn't ever consider any of these things. He thinks it's like just something he's earned and has the right to be there and doesn't have to do a goddamn thing to make himself be impressive. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, so now this fell into my lap. How is it? How are people going to surround me to build me up to make me better and not Mm -hmm. the other way around of like, what am I going to do to turn turn it out?
5: Well, here's what I suspect happened. Because he's got very poor comprehension and he's very unreliable. I mm-hmm. would suspect that this was always understood that this was an unpaid internship. He was still mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and that potentially it could lead, if he was to eventually be hired, if, then he would be getting this much money. But mm-hmm. um, I suspect, I, I've never heard of someone just saying, when payday comes, oh, I'm not going to pay you. I didn't like what you, you didn't do a very good
0: job. Yeah, that uh, seems, that seems insane
3: that seems yeah. crazy it reminds he would, there me there was lot somebody of, there could
0: be somebody he would go complain to he said this was corporate radio mm-hmm.
3: this reminds me a lot of like remember back in the day sam roberts opie and anthony you know he started off as an intern the kid was an intern now he's doing the jim and sam show on sirius he worked his way up but mm-hmm. he knew what the deal was luckily his parents were rich enough to like let him go to a really good college he got to intern there but it was an unpaid internship up until a point and then he was a part-time employee and then whatever but you know there was never like this cluelessness of like oh am I gonna get paid am I not gonna get paid he knew he was putting the work in
0: well, I got. I keep in mind, guys, this is the same person who called himself, he's he's claimed he was a dishwasher. When he was working at Wellman, it came with the job, but he. it doesn't mean you were a dishwasher. You were a counselor. You were an adult yeah. counselor. Right. Uh, but he wanted to call that, oh, that's manual labor. Um, either uh-huh. way, <laughs> so, okay. yeah, so we'll play a little bit more of this clip. That honorable. They, he could, was, they could pull that crap on radio on those. He ones. was a BU student. And uh,
1: he, uh, I guess he graduated, or so, someone made him a program. The station had no money.
2: Was he any good?
1: He was horrible. Fact, he was so bad.
2: <laughs> he sorry. had to do.
1: He oh, had to do bad. at the time. The FCC made you do Sunday morning public affairs programming. Palos Verde. Okay, here we go, guys. One sec. California: Two thousand species of plant life grow ten feet above three million tons of rusted cars, trash, and garbage. This south coast botanic garden the dump transformed into a paradise
0: it proves volunteer projects can return to the land to natural beauty <laughs> do you not hear that that the little that little uh, kind of uh swishy delivery of his in in the, in the tone of voice i mean it's, ve- it's very it's almost oh, it's almost oh god this is this is horrible he should be working for queer eye for the i don't <laughs> know queer eye for the straight guy the way he the way he sounds this affectation sam
3: thing I noticed about the delivery was he's mm. reading something but he's not understanding it and <laughs> yeah. you can hear that when he says botanic garden he's not <laughs> he's not um, he's not actually processing the information that he's reading while he's reading it he's very stupid and yes you can sense that when he's reading it he's just yeah. looking at it like a flash card on SNL <laughs> or something. It's, very, it's a very poor delivery because he's not processing what he's reading.
0: It was like when uh, Carson was do, doing a plug for a new product and called it an entree instead of entree and then realized he screwed up on the air and just started laughing. Um, this uh, next one is called uh, da, 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 da. Wiggy gets discouraged from his dream pretty quickly.
1: Sick of everything. He was an older guy. He had a couple of shifts here in the city at this radio station on weekends oh yeah yeah nice guy donald j barnett oh i remember that name yeah and meg and all them they didn't get along with him there was a you know they were all hippies Playing or whatever they
0: wanted. Okay, so this is basically to the point of the same page uh, on thirty-three of the Colford book that he was discouraged from his dream so quickly. If it was really your dream, would you throw in the towel as quickly as he did right away?
5: No, no,
0: no. no. So again, and, and to to combat somebody on the um, in the last episode who commented, we it, do we think he was. He had no talent, zero talent, and he's from BU onwards. He he lacked any discernible talent going forward. Uh, okay, so he copied Steve Dahl. You'd have to check out the comment. And my argument was. Well, yeah, pretty much. We're arguing that he stumbled upwards with the help of, you know, Mm -hmm. buckwalled and more creative people surrounding him or better sounding people around him and copied from the right people. And at a time when you couldn't, you know, find these things out, basically. There Mm -hmm. was no international radio. Sam?
3: There's a difference when you watch a story of somebody who's hungry, and really wants something like you mm-hmm. watch that you, you watch i that Kanye West documentary, Genius. You watch this kid producing beats and you watch him hunger to be this rapper and you go through the whole thing and you see that drive. You see that you don't see that in Howard. You don't see him wanting Exactly. And knowing who he is and knowing what he's going to be and having something to say. You don't see that drive in him. No. You see this failure of upward luck in yeah, well, circumstance. And it pa- is yeah. so the stars align of him and certain people in his life that came in there. But there mm-hmm. isn't that actual drive and yeah. passion in That's something. the
0: word. That's the key. What have you seen him pas- be passionate about? Nothing. Ever.
3: It's, he it's goes incredibly through, different,
0: right? He goes through fads like people change underwear, and um, and then ult- ultimately with radio, he had a disdain for it while he was working for it. So it was really fame he was hungering, guys. Not he, it was. Yeah, it wasn't he radio. he further
5: had he further had no interest in it. I, I yeah. mean, he he couldn't tell you he, he wouldn't know if his delivery sounded bad because he didn't listen to radio. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it's a weird thing to claim to to be that's your dream, and yet. You don't like listening to music. You don't like listening to talk. So that's what? Right. Are, all you like is hearing your own voice. That's, <laughs> that's, really, that's really what he was to.
0: to. Yep, and that's what you're gonna hear.
1: He didn't. You know, he was all fed up with hippies.
5: And, <laughs> he had uh, to get away from the hippies.
1: I walk in and with a nice, <laughs> nice suit and short haircut. He looks at me. He goes, "You're hired. <laughs>
2: no. I might have something <laughs> for you." He never listened to the tape.
1: <laughs> he did listen to the tape. <laughs> oh, he did. Uh, he listened to the tape. He <laughs> called me. He goes, "I'm gonna give you something." He goes, "I'm gonna put you on ten to two at night." He goes, because I think you're going to show up. I go, what <laughs> Not do you mean? because you're going to be good. No. Not, he goes, you seem reliable. <laughs> like a nice guy. He'll be here. And I turned it down. What? I got scared. I listened to the station. I heard Meg and I heard this guy Joe from Chicago who was on. <laughs> and I heard uh, all the different people who were working there. And I said, I'm not good enough.
0: I'm, <gasps> I'm uh, I am i can i so being that insecure yeah. having spent all this time in your basement with a radio mock radio setup or a real you know studio recording studio in your basement and you're that insecure about your voice but you don't have the guts or the willingness to try it out and see if you're good at it but again I mean that just goes to the the yeah. point that he, you know we failed if he did fail it was due to lack of talent and if he chose not to push forward initially that kind of gives you more insight into his strength of character, which is is almost nil. Sam?
3: It's also about these people who were working there, like Meg. Mm -hmm. They have this undying passion for artists. Yes. And they want to showcase music, and they Mm -hmm. understand the music, and they understand the up-and-coming music, and they are trying to cultivate all of these great artists and Howard doesn't have that eye. He doesn't no. have that talent. And mm-hmm. I bet he was around a lot of people and DJs who had some sort of musical intuition that he just didn't possess, you know? Oh,
0: God, no. So I mean...
3: <laughs> not only is it him not having that, having that voice, that, you know, radio voice that he proclaims to not yeah. have, right. but it's not having that Deep love of music. That yes. deep love of music. Right.
5: I also believe this is just total revisionist history. Mm-hmm. That he turned them down because he knew he was he should be working at one of the top New York stations, and it was only a matter of time before PLJ or whomever puts Howard Stern on. He sent them his tapes also. Mm-hmm. Um, So, and his dad had good connections at these kind of places. I think he just scoffed at, you want to pay me for something an hour to be heard in this small, what, 10,000 watt, whatever it is, 20,000 watt station? No, Uh, I'm destined for much bigger things. I really think he thought, this is beneath me.
3: This is definitely true, though. He he does because Ben's connections, he knew he could bank off of those. And what is going to give him the biggest bang for his buck?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the, the bottom of page. This is where the last, uh, the, where the Colford stuff ended, uh, and then the book took over. The audio, the audio tapes. I mean, ended. Uh, Barnett filed Howard's tape towards the front of his preferences for future job openings. When Barnett called, one sec. All my alarms are going off and I forgot I set them. Um, Barnett filed Howard's tape towards the front of his preferences for future job openings. When he called to offer work not long afterwards, Howard cited other commitments and declined. Privately, Howard was unsure of his talent and uncertain about the radio business. In making the rounds of radio stations in search of a job, he had come across hasbins from New York Radio who now toiled in out-of-town obscurity. He submitted to this insecurity and took a couple of safer positions, including <clears throat> an entry-level level opportunity with the New York advertising agency of Benton and Bowles. Uh, Only after Allison and his parents noticed what he himself felt gnawing at him, that he had made a a boneheaded detour from the radio career that he wanted, uh, did Howard reverse himself and phone Barnett for a second chance. So this clip ties into that. And we've already covered the... um, Uh, WNRW stuff in the previous episode so we don't really go through all of we we go back to that this kind of bookends that right now Sam?
3: And then you also have to understand too that New York was radio you know Mm -hmm. like it's the mecca of if you make it as a New York DJ you're you're something you you got you got clout.
0: Right and it was 3,000 watts not even 10 3,000 oh
5: I was really giving them credit okay
0: oh yeah yeah I can't do this.
5: Somebody
2: gave you a so you job
1: and you turned job. it down? I turned it down. I turned it down and a guy named Harris Allen got the job. I listened to him a couple of weeks later and he sounded so good. Harris he
2: Allen. had That's a big, Allen. deep
1: voice, Harris Allen. Yeah. And I went, well, he deserves the job over me. Uh, I, I'm a loser, failure. I don't deserve to be on the radio. <laughs> and then i set out to go find an alternative so th- career after that's 4 when years you
2: decided you got to do something else
1: so i started taking the train every day into the city my parents like that okay, we'll let this play out guys we'd get a, i had a briefcase full of resumes you should see this resume <laughs> if you saw this God? resume you'd throw up it was a big lie <laughs> you know <laughs> and i would go into the city <laughs> and there was a coffee shop. I, I didn't people were all walking around looking like they had something to do Everybody had something to do. You should see. I would walk around and, and everyone was on their way to somewhere.
0: And Wait I had, a minute. You got to tell
1: me
5: what was on that resume. Did you have jobs when you were in college?
1: I I, I,
0: I know. Okay.
5: He probably looked I, like Dorothy I, I, in Oz. I, I.
0: <laughs> so um, the so, AC. It
3: always sounds like people are having to, you know, the difference between somebody with drive that wants to put themselves in a position Versus mm-hmm. somebody who wants to be ushered into the position. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he's hungry to make money, but he's so insecure that it sounds like, you know, these vital parts of his career. The narrative that he pushes,
2: mm-hmm.
3: it, it isn't this. The narrative he pushes is he was that underdog
2: yes. that
3: really was hungry for that bone and he really wanted that. And it's not true.
0: Well, I mean, he, when he finally starts getting into radio and then starts doing the gigs and then moving his way on up uh, the but then like there's false there's false elements in almost every step of the way. And yeah. especially with the last episode, the music is that w- that is what we really focused on Ispan in part five, how not only did he have no. Uh, feeling for the music or passion for the music, he didn't actually know what to play. He didn't even right. know that you should be playing this at this station. You know, you, you don't have to like it to be cognizant of what's hip and what you, you know, everybody else is playing and get in, in the the mindset of that. Even if you want and to he, play some of your own preferences, but he had no. Just, preferences.
3: <laughs> no. And it's interesting to just hear him in these phases of, of talking it out. And You see that he just really, he knew he was better than what he thought he was doing or where he was at. So that's why he took the New York thing. But you see the mentality not being about the music and not being about the job itself. It's about being known. And it's about different it's not about these pure things that people really want when they want that dream. Yeah. And that's, and that's the disheartening part of this because he always makes it different. He always Mm -hmm. makes it seem he wanted to be the bad boy, the, the, I wanted to get this out. I wanted to say this. I wanted to do that. No, you just wanted to, you just wanted to climb that corporate ladder
0: well, yeah, and he wanted to be king shit, but and then and, and the narrative right now, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I was a rock DJ, and the during the summit, <laughs> the summit video, we go in, who loves rock and roll more than me? <laughs> that, 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 you know, <laughs> that, that kind of that kind of attitude. You know, Neil Young shouldn't be able to shit without hearing about us. You know, what? By the um, way, I have a
5: copy of Howard's resume from 1977 here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, wonderful. He reproduces it in private parts. Um, okay. I can read to you some of the. This was this was when he was the program director of WRNW, so he was yeah. sending it out to try to get his next big job. Next big so, job. Yeah. <clears throat> related employment January to May of 1976 at BU, he taught students basic electronics in preparation for a FCC examination. Um, he he talks about his education. Major was broadcasting and film, minor speech in English. What during college? Yeah, during college <laughs> career, served in three area radio faculties. Oh, sorry, facilities. This is small, both yeah. commercial and non-commercial in various capacities. Assistant news director for a fifty kilowatt station, producer of nationally syndicated talk shows, air personality, production director, and host of weekly radio theater. This was while he was at BU, he says, at yeah. uh, WNTN. The station in Newton, where he says that he did, he worked there for a week, and his boss said, "You're horrible."
0: Yeah, and he wasn't was paid.
5: August, he was there from August to December, oh. <laughs> um, and he has it listed as air personality for WNTN Radio, fifteen fifty AM, rock station, surf Boston and vicinity. Responsibilities included air shift, newscasting, and in production. Um, in April of seventy six to November of seventy seven. He is a uh, production director responsible for entire WRW production department and dire- so he doesn't put his um, Benton and Bowles stuff in here it was too no. minor. No. No. Yeah. Uh, responsible for entire WRW production department and directing the creativity of this award-winning facility produced voiced and wrote many freelance commercials. He's got freelance as two words. Frequently <laughs> no. developed many uh, innovative production techniques, significantly improving station sound, coordinated production scheduling and served as liaison between air and sales staff, initiated many quality standards and new concepts while planning and implementing production smoothly. Th- this is all the kind of Tim Sabian speak that oh, yeah. all of us go. What are you saying? Um, 9- November 77, to present program director successfully introduced a new program format. Advanced WRNW's position in the market through complete image overhaul and format change. Responsible for hiring and supervising air staff and news and production departments. And this is the last one: mm-hmm. uh, December seventy-six to present. WRNW air personality served as both morning drive and midday announcer. Developed personable and innovative approach to AOR—that's adult-oriented rock and soft rock formats. Hosted talk programs, made numerous public appearances and broadcast remotes, and was the subject of several newspaper articles. So we know of the one yeah. where he's mentioned in it, but he's not the yeah. subject.
0: Right. Well, I mean, when you you want to talk about uh, what's that one that, that there's a scene in the, the the movie she's having a baby, where the guy goes, you have set new standards in lying when they when they do the job interview, <laughs> and, he, and Kevin Bacon goes, he goes he goes, you must want the job pretty bad. He goes, I, I, I yeah, I need to work. And then the other guy in the the office doing the hiring goes, uh, how do you feel about slave wages? Slave wages are fine. And then one guy goes, how do you feel about alcoholics? And then Kevin, there's a pause, and Kevin goes. I like alcoholics. <laughs> it's a great, great scene. Anyway, Sam, you want, you've got, yeah, I know you you want to say something about this one.
3: I just think that these opportunities that he was given, he, it, he could have really helped integrate, inter, integrate, I guess, integrated into his career and make it and learn something from these DJs, from these mm-hmm. like lesser known places Mm-hmm. and really learn from it and grow from it. But instead of doing that, he just kind of said, I'm not good enough in his own head and then got out. But mm-hmm, these yeah. people that's that if you believe at,
5: that's, if you believe the what I believe is a revisionist history. Of
3: things. I, I agree with that too. And I also think, um, you know, just how he talked about Meg Griffin, you knew he felt some sort of way about her. Like, this girl knows her stuff. Like mm-hmm. I can't compete with that. I can't, I can't be, I mean, imagine talking to a musical person, you know, and you're sitting next to them and you know, you're a phony about what you really like. Certainly. So he, so you would be, you would be known as a fraud. And I think Howard, like, Genuinely tried to run away from people that could expose him as not what he wanted to present himself to be, and Matt Griffin would be one of those people.
0: Well, yeah. So when he, while he's there, and I mean that we just we covered it in the last episode. He he barely had a personality. They just said he was bland and colorless, and you know he just sort mm-hmm. of like wallpaper and and he didn't so he would pick things like Pablo Cruz and Raven and I discussed that in Rescue 79 our episode that's uh, will already already been out the breakdown that we did and he just had no clue what he was doing and again there's nothing wrong with that and he does kind of he does kind of admit it at some point but I think real but humility then 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 like, real humility the, would have been saying i copied i copied all the yeah. way I bullshit it mm-hmm. the entire oh, yeah. time mm-hmm. had no idea what I was doing and like that kid, like I copied off essays off my best friend and, you know, the,
3: yeah, I just, used just, cliff you know, notes.
0: Right. Well, yeah, just do it. Just say it like it's more it's certainly more um, human, as he might say, to admit that you had these shortcomings that, as opposed to dressing it up and saying, ever since I was six, I wanted to be on the radio. <laughs> but but then right it gets even
3: worse when he proclaims himself to be this knowledgeable person of that and judging this oh, music God. and saying, I <laughs> know the best. I And, you know, you give these things like, oh, I love the Stones or I love, right. oh, yeah, I love the Foo Fighters or whatever right. the fuck he says. You yeah. don't know what you're talking about. And that's right. genuine. You don't know what you're talking about. You should have stuck to not knowing and integrating people into the show that did instead of being and presenting yourself as this all knowing rock God. It's fucking yeah. absurd. He, he
5: actually has contempt for people who know what they're talking about when it comes to music, because yeah, he does cannot stand when he's like, I hate when guys want to go and discuss music, like discuss what band is better or whatever. And it's always like, why are you listening to music? You should be learning to play an instrument. Um, which is you usually learn to become to play an instrument because you like listening to music. Yeah. It's he, you know, you don't go and say I'm going to be on the radio because I hate
0: the radio except, unless you're Howard Stern. Yeah. There's there's a clip from about 2015. I'm gonna play. It's like eight seconds long. They're playing a Bush song, and he's, he 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 loves it, but he can't name it. So I'm gonna see if I can see if it uh, if it's the right one. Hopefully. That's a good song. Always loved the uh,
1: band Bush. I love their songs. Uh, you know.
0: He stuck for a name. Yeah. Anyway, what are you gonna do?
1: So let's let's continue with this one. Oh, but I I I once had a job in a plumbing supply house. (laughs) I wrote that down. I wrote down that I was Summa Cum Laude. No. Okay. You know all this stuff. I uh, I wrote down WNTN professional broadcaster, and I I had two resumes. Do you have
5: any? um... Yeah. Did you, were you in any organizations in no, college? No, no, nothing nothing, nothing,
1: nothing. But I talked about Key Club in high school. You know, I, I made <laughs> a, hey. that up.
0: Yeah, I showed up for one meeting. <laughs> so uh, I get this job. And yes, we, we all understand being young and padding out your resume to make it look mm-hmm. as though you've accomplished something. We've all been there. I get that. Oh, um, yeah. He not- he made sure to
5: write down 50,000 watt. Yes. For the station, which he didn't yeah. say 3,000 watt for, no. for WR&W.
1: No, not at all. At W R W, turn it down. Now I got to go into the city every day, and I have to get a job. My father's like, "You got to get a job." You know, of course. And I wanted a job. He was putting job. pressure on you. Well, you know, I put the pressure on myself. I mean, I got I got a college, got a college degree. <laughs> well, I mean, he was
5: he wasn't helping. Saying, <laughs> "Take your time." He was no, like, "No." Well, hey. he was
1: he was being day. Understand- he felt bad for. I know, but I know under his breath, he had to be saying somewhere. <laughs> I to- he said to me a couple of times.
0: You you got a communications degree. Okay, let this one let this this one go a little bit. Yeah, go ahead, Sam.
3: This is just yeah. You got to get a job. You don't. You know, you shouldn't have your father telling you that, and you should have had your resume resume and things going out before that. You know, like didn't everybody do that when they were like about to graduate from college or something? I.
0: Peter Pan yeah. sexual. Uh, Peter Pan yeah, sexual is... was still thinking about going going back to WellMed at this point. Did
3: anybody think of like uh, I, 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 this mindset is just crazy to me? I'm sorry. This
5: is a this is a, a book we're, we'll have to go through sometime. It's called Peter Pan Syndrome. <laughs> this is the actual book that came out in the '80s, and the um, I I leafed through it, uh, and I found it so relevant. I mean, that's how I can say definitively that magical thinking is tied to her being Peter Pansexual because this is where I got it. The guy says magical thinking is a trademark of, of someone with Peter Pan syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I When I read this thing, I realized, oh my God, Howard is just a mediocre example of Peter Pan syndrome. It's not mm-hmm. even exciting that that this is uh, he's stunted and wants everything done for him. And why should I have to find a job just because I'm not in school anymore and so on?
0: Yes, he basically wants to be gifted a job without having got done the interview, submitted a CV, uh, put on a suit you know, got through the stress of, you know, entering and say, you know, whatever going through an interview and so having to submit a, a reel, like a, a highlight reel or something of his last job or whatever example of his, his live reads or something, Sam.
3: I don't even know how kids now do job interviews or mm-hmm. anything. I watch like the crop of people that come up now or are in college and it's mm-hmm. so different. Like I, You know, they're more towards the Howard thinking. They're less towards.
5: I presume. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah,
5: I've been saying for years, Howard Stern invented the year 2020 or 2021 or whatever year it is, because. It is. You know, the years have finally caught up to him. Mm hmm. (laughs)
2: That's not a good thing.
5: No. All
1: of these radio guys, they could be janitors, or you'll be competing with janitors. Anyone can talk. You'll be competing (laughs) with janitors, and uh, you should have uh, taken acting classes. I begged you to take (laughs) an acting class or some stock. You're wasting your time going, Don't be well met. With the camping and uh, you know, I told you what to do. You know, he was he was nervous, yes <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, I was
5: ready for a nervous breakdown. What am I gonna do? Oh my god I... Okay. Um you know, that, yeah. that that was actually good advice of Ben. Why don't yeah. you yeah. do summer stock? Why don't you get comfortable up on a stage in front of people? Why don't oh, you yeah. get comfortable speaking publicly? Instead, you want to go screw around with thirteen year olds uh, yes. at a summer camp again and never leave childhood? Yes.
3: Yeah yes. that's a great that's great advice that's great or advice ben, or
5: Ben was nothing but good advice
0: by oh, the way yeah. and good connections or- at the very least, get some jobs, whatever job experience you get a real job for a couple months that, yeah. you know, would have been more prevalent back then. It, uh, you know, the, 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 even whatever, when you're really young, it's a paper route. And when when you're, you get a little older, it might be a, a fast food joint. And then when you get a little older, it might be working at a, a record store or a shoe store or something, just whatever. Get your feet wet, so to speak, in the job market.
3: You know, I yeah, find I, it. I'll just... Oh, go ahead, Ben.
0: I was going to say just really quickly that. um
5: even when it came to Howard taking this WRNW job, and I don't know if it's going to come up in an uh, audio clip, but mm. Ben told Howard, take the job. Even if it doesn't pay well, it's your, It's like your grad school, and they're paying you to attend grad school. That Pretty is much. such a supportive father. Rather oh, than yeah. him go, no, don't waste your time on some low-paying, dead-end job. Take yep. the. Marketing job seriously, the advertising job seriously. Yes. Uh, you know, I put my neck out on the line for you again. Instead, he's always looking for the positive spin on things. Yep. and yeah. you know, he never gets credit for that.
0: Nope. He's gonna he's get doing, out of college. Oh, sorry, Sam. Go ahead.
3: I was going to say Ben's a good parent with good advice. You know, you yes. want to teach your kid, and also how to interact in the world of business. And I teach my daughter too, like you have to look at people when you shake hands and teach mm-hmm. her. and she's nine, she's going to be 10, but these things are very important to teach mm-hmm. kids how to navigate the world and how to act appropriately in certain situations. And Ben is giving really solid advice that Howard is just, where, where is my huge job? Because I did this thing that if you listen to him with college, it's not like he even really wanted to do it. Everything mm-hmm. was pushed. Pushed for yeah. him. Yeah. His parents pushed it all. And, and also,
5: bear in yeah. mind that Ben uh, is a first generation American mm-hmm. with parents who don't even speak English. So let, they're not giving him advice on here's how you make it in America. I mean, this, this guy's right. a self made guy and imparting with enthusiasm on his son to follow you know that that is such a novelty it seems to me, <laughs> considering <How is> it? <laughs> most people i mean ben's parents you know are street sweepers basically that kind of thing they're not yeah. like yes. following a job where you get to sit down and play records so right. uh, you know for him to be supportive of that as he was of anything howard showed interest in speaks volumes about his character that you'll never hear howard say about his character
3: and that's unusual too by the way because most people from that generation wanted you to get up and do manual labor. They wanted Mm -hmm. you to work, you Mm -hmm. know? So for, for them to kind of just say, okay, we're going to support all everything for you to be something different. Mm -hmm. And we do that for you not to accept in that advice and kind of just like whatever my dad was disappointed. No, your dad wants you to understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah well he yeah he instead of yeah he's like Chaz Palmentary, except he would have called it a Roosevelt tale uh, I mean he just wanted to make it seem like uh, uh, you know everything's happening to him and it's almost like the Robin story her her entire biography is Dorothy on the yellow brick road and oh, running into God. all kinds yeah. of you know porn yes. stars and you know yes. p- you know talking trees and you know whatever and so he would have you believe it's like this wild cast of characters and yeah okay fine whatever mythologize your life as much as you want but at one point, be open at some point, be open. And he, he stopped. He well, he stopped being able to do that a long time ago. However, there is one clip. We won't play it where he discusses. Maybe you've heard. I'm sure you've heard it, Ben, Um, where he discusses how his dad helped his brother in law, uh, Ellen's husband get a job selling cushions at Bloomingdale's or something like basically commissioning his his stuff and how he said that was you want to hear a good thing my father did because they asked him uh, how uh, sorry Gary and Robin both asked what did your dad do tell us about him tell us a story about him and he said he actively went to Bloomingdale's took an exact sample of the the cushions, leather cushions or whatever that he made and said, uh, we'd like, I want how, I want you to sell these things and waited and waited and waited to meet the head of Bloomingdale's. And the guy said, sure, I'd love to sell these. How much? And da, 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 da. And then wow, he. that's great. It is a great, yep, great I story. I remember that. And then they, then they ask like, so, so it's, what's your real problem with your father? Well, why don't you? And then they kind of, they go into, I know what the problem is. And he goes, well, what's that? He didn't, he didn't hire you at his studio like he didn't no. he didn't give you a job no and that's he's ridiculous. and ben didn't and, have and, the studio and, at that point no he didn't i don't well uh no he had gotten rid of it hadn't he yeah yeah he was yeah. retired he retired at a very young age 55 something Sometimes like that yeah which is
5: unheard of it just yeah. like, i mean can you you are a tech billionaire nowadays if you retire at that age and you probably mm-hmm. wouldn't retire
0: because you just go yeah. i'm the stay in the game yeah Anyway, I one one day we'll go through that with Chicago Bob because it's a good clip, and I'd like to I'd like to know what his what his feelings are on it because it's it's a little there are a lot of odd silences there and uncomfortable silences. It's a it's a really interesting clip. Uh, at any rate, let's finish this one off. Did You get a job? Did you have
1: any idea what field you were going to? No. Attempt? So <laughs> I would walk into the Manhattan every day. Everyone looked like they knew where they were going. I see, and I had my briefcase, and I'd walk around the street with the New York Times, looking at the one ad.
2: <laughs> Did you go to interviews?
1: Well, you know, you'd see you'd see these ads. They were intimidating. It says, "Self starters, known losers, need apply."
2: Oh, geez. I
0: said, "Well, I'm a loser, <laughs> and I'm not a self starter." I don't even know what that means.
2: Self
1: starter, self starter.
0: I, I hated losers. that term when people used to say that. There are certainly two things he was not. He was one, he was one thing. He was absolutely a king loser, and he was absolutely not a self self starter by
3: any stretch. Sam, it's interesting that Artie says he's not a self starter because, as much as he's a defeatist in his self. He is Mm -hmm. a self-starter. You know, it takes takes some gravitas to get off a union job that's a guaranteed pay, medical, whatever, dental. And you're going to go into comedy. That's a self-starter.
0: Oh, yeah.
5: I wonder why it is so mysterious to him, the thought that at nine in the morning on a Monday – People in New York City look okay. like they have some place to be, or look like they're going. Why else would they be there at nine in the morning? I mean, you know, it's it's like not the fact that that's a novel thought to him. They all look like yep. they were they knew where they were over. going. Yeah, why why else would they be there?
0: Yeah. So I think yeah. the next the next we'll the next clip is called "Hapless Wiggy the Media Buyer."
1: Well, he decided he would try and I discussed with him about uh, working in New York radio, which wasn't feasible at the time because you know, you had really no commercial experience and they weren't quick to open up a, a big station for someone in that capacity and he never would have helped them in his career. So he went over to Button and and became a media buyer and he did, he did it well. They loved him. He gave me my own office
5: with two other guys, you know, I had an office.
2: Uh huh. <laughs>
5: <laughs> my own office with two other guys
0: what <laughs> that's just as good as i've eaten dinner dinner with donald trump many times not in the same ta- not at the same table <laughs> <laughs> oh. Love that clip. big desk phone
1: gotta wear a suit and tie every day and my boss comes in the first day and he goes okay I want you to he starts in with a calculator and he's printing out sheets. And he goes, I want you to do workups on cost uh, uh, the oh, CPM no. cost per thousands. Then I want you to call in Arizona, buy Arizona Diamondback something, baseball, football, whatever that is. <laughs> and get planters. Pe- I was on the planters peanut account. Get planters peanuts and blah, 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 blah. I went, oh, my God. I turned to the guy next to me. I was in tears.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. It must have been like the guy was speaking Aramaic to him. <laughs> The, oh. This is the guy
5: who claims he never cries. In fact, yeah. he cries anytime you give him any responsibility. Oh, yeah. A
3: planner's peanut account? Wah. Yeah. What?
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I that's <laughs> why he eats, how to do that's why he this eats almonds to this day. Yeah. Hope you. I'll help you. Oh, and he said, yes. You know what? You know when you get an assignment in school? Come on, that's the blue diamond account. Let's not, let's I, not I, get I, it. Yeah. You know what?
3: <laughs> don't you get Like, I don't know if you're this way, but when you get a challenge, There's something in me personally that's like, I'm not only going to do this challenge, I'm going to murder this challenge. I'm going to I'm going to show you, you know, Yeah. I'm going to
5: claim he is right.
3: But listen to him. He cries and he's like, how am I going to get out of this planner's peanut challenge?
0: Well, imagine, <laughs> imagine being thrust into a job where you, you're required to use brain you don't actually have. There's a part of your brain, your brain's the size of a fucking planter's peanut, and they're asking you to do number crunching and sales, and you have no ambition. You have no get up and go. You have nothing in you that suggests you're a type A person whatsoever, even though he'll go. And at one point when he does start getting into, um, uh, when he gets to Hartford, I think that's his first job after W and W W WCCC, I think is the one. And they give him like a six day a week job. I mean, let's, let's be honest that, that, that sounded more of uh, in line of you know you're starting up you're going to work like a dog more than the WRNW job which was just part time but he makes it sound like he was in the salt mine you know the 24 hours a week
5: yeah I, but that, that wasn't unusual I mean I I remember in Illinois listening to uh, this DJ Kevin Matthews he would do five days a week and then on Saturdays he would do a Saturday show um, mm-hmm. it wasn't it it was talk radio I think that was not unusual
0: yeah.
3: I I just find it hilarious that, you know, anytime anybody gives something new presented to them, Mm -hmm. how you how you handle it says a lot about you, I think, (laughs) you know,
0: Yeah. so you don't panic, Sam.
3: (laughs) No, I actually thrive on that shit. Like, I love getting something new thrown at me. When it comes to assignments or anything else and you just go, you just, you know, you're like, I'm going to figure this shit out. I'm going to do it and I'm going to figure it out. And something about that sort of atmosphere, I think, would be intriguing and exciting, not crying
0: well, well yeah. to, to you i mean i the the analogy i'm going to use is like okay you look at a rubik's cube and you go i got to solve this he looks like a rubik's cube and he says what did people do to these lego i mean it's it's not, it's, not a, it's it's not a case of uh and get, okay he said many years he is an idiot and we played infamously that clip about him being retarded and going to basic studies but either way these i the reason why i wanted these clips is to illustrate more I I believe he's more in he's telling the truth about how same here hapless he was and how stupid he was and how he was ill-suited but I just wish we had more of that going forward because a lot of it is not um it's not embellished it's it's not it's not um it's he doesn't give it and he gives it short shrift in my opinion compared to all the other great things he thinks he's done especially once you get into the later years Sam
3: I think it tells a lot about how important the group was around him, too, to make oh, yes. his success. All like, big time. if there wasn't those people, if there wasn't the Fred, the Robin, the Jackie, there would be nothing. Oh, no. No,
1: no way. you no. in way over your head. Yeah. I was in way over my head. <laughs> and the guy comes in and goes, I want you to draw a map of the country and plot out where we're going to. Uh, 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 how <laughs> Planners is going to attack the country? He goes, I want you to look up every Jewish newspaper in the country because planters uh, makes uh, peanut oil and it appeals to Jews who are kosher. I go, well, yeah. And he goes, and then I want you to figure out cost per thousand divided by, uh, divided by.
2: Di- oh.
3: <laughs> divided like in, by? Like
5: you've never heard of division before. Divided <laughs> by?
3: What? The second he heard the word divide, he went into the fetal position. Of yeah. course. Yeah. You have a calculator. Yeah, you don't, have to do yeah, it you don't to even your work. have to do it shorthand. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't even have a pencil.
3: <laughs> God damn.
0: Oh, my what God. Comes next? Bye. Anyway, after, bye bye.
3: This would have been a great assignment for him. You're Jewish. Yeah. Pick yeah. a map. Look up the most. You could look on a census. Yeah. What are the most populated Jewish counties? Yeah. And... And fucking go hog wild and take a fucking calculator and do the math. I mean, what easier assignment could you possibly get?
0: Oh my lord! I mean, yeah, just check out any census and
5: who just doesn't go nuts. know what
3: a peanut is?
0: Yeah, they. <laughs> I'm sure that
5: they're providing him with the resources that he needs. Sure, also, sure. Oh yeah. Um, it's just that he's got very poor comprehension skills. Yes. And you, you know, he you needs tutors like- for everything.
3: You yeah. could have to jump on the Roadhouse Grill, Howard.
5: Yeah. He, he didn't buy. He's he probably, buy. Probably, dev- uh, Sorry. It, probably washing dishes in the break room all day just so <laughs> that uh, he could claim to be busy. <laughs> 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 Scrubbing pots <laughs> at an agency. Isn't all this all very Seinfeldian? This all yeah. of his adventures? Yeah. Oh. I mean, don't you picture George or Kramer in these situations?
3: But I picture George. I picture... Yeah. A total, you know, say Vandalay. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. <laughs> no, you are like, aware see, Penske's interested in me. That kind of thing. Your, your son's <laughs> come home after wearing a suit all day and he's got dishpan hands.
5: <laughs> yeah. Or even the Kramer thing where I don't even know what I'm doing here. You know, yeah. when he gets hired, and he has no job <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah.
1: I had to buy I'm like, I'm doomed. I'm gonna I'm they're gonna find out. I don't know anything. <laughs> Cost per thousand. I'm sitting there till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night trying to finish these assignments like like it's the SATs. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in over my head. And what just because you went to college, you assumed you can do all this, work all the No, this he said he all... had
2: experience in marketing.
1: Oh, because no. so you're lying. I lied. <laughs> I was doomed. I didn't I was in a panic. What am I gonna do? This is a good job, but Okay, guys, 30 seconds more. Why can't I be creative? I'm, I'm, I'm like, maybe I get a job copywriting or something.
2: Right. Maybe another department
1: is where you should be. I, I had to start coming in on Saturdays to figure out my work that I couldn't do during the week. I'm sitting at the desk pounding the, the. My mother looked at me. She goes, What are you doing? You look green. Your skin is green. I go, I'm sick. I don't know what to do. She goes, What are you
0: doing? I got a job, but it's killing she me.
1: Goes, I explained my job to her. She goes, You're a creative guy. What are you doing? I go, I don't know.
3: I don't know. He, <laughs> oh, my God. He'd be like, you know, in fuck, Mad Men, Don Draper, you picture like an ad agency. Jesus, could you imagine? And that's so, and that, his tasks are so Don Draper-esque assignments, like things that you would get this account, you have to, you have to, you know, get get the cigarette account, whatever.
5: I really, you know, you're not I mean, a well, It sounds person. like he was a media buyer, so he would be buying ads for their client mm-hmm. to appear in media, meaning the mm-hmm. local newspapers or whatever. But we yep. want to make sure it goes in the right newspapers. It's going to hit their target audience and make the most yeah. of this money. Totally. Um, Which is the it easiest. Sounds,
3: it's not even yeah. creating the ad,
5: right? And what all they're trying to do is figure out how is the money best spent. So yeah. we could go to this, we could go to this, and it should not be this this insurmountable
0: task no god no i mean he really it really is like I, i'm gonna i think maybe for once i'm gonna use the photoshop i made of him as will hunting figuring out one plus one on the chalkboard <laughs> right. um you know at, at, well, the, you uh, at it, I, divided by one well yeah just, uh,
5: divided by
0: right exactly so this next clip is called never trust a pelican with one foot always out the door and I started going in on Sundays. He didn't
1: like it. So when we discussed it, I said, listen, if it's no sense you're starting a your career, you don't want to be in something you don't like. He hated it. He hated, it, so he And left. when he would come home, he was very despondent. And I said to him, leave. This is not for you.
2: We gotta get out of this way.
0: So a song synonymous with the Vietnam war <laughs> is this worth the the ad the media buying was his vietnam
3: the, the napalm <laughs> peanut planters peanut palms. but you know this is uh, this
5: really speaks to his his um <laughs> resenting any job that that expects a measurable performance out of him oh so yeah so here's a task it needs to be completed and he resents that he likes these These immeasurable tasks where my job is to entertain, you know.
3: We need a Photoshop of him getting lifted off, you know, the final in Saigon, (laughs) the (laughs) helicopter.
0: (laughs) I think it would be better if he were were one of the models in Apocalypse Now getting, getting the Playboy Playmates getting picked up.
5: You know, so, and then the and then the, the Citizen Kane ending is you see the problem, the math problem that stumped him and it's like twenty-five divided by five and he just yeah. <laughs> question mark, question mark everywhere.
0: Uh, <laughs> He's got chalk dust all over his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> I should that radio job. <laughs> Sorry, what?
5: Sorry, Ben's go ahead.
3: Right. Any he needs something vague. Everything yeah. has to be completely vague for him to succeed.
5: Well, yeah, that would later be worked into his contracts, meaning you cannot fire me because of low ratings. Yes. You know, uh, and same with AGT, I'm certain he had the five-year, four-year contract that where ratings cannot make an impact on them, on, oh, on, yeah. on this contract.
0: Guaranteed. Yep.
1: What a jackass I am. I told that to my dad. He goes, well, I know Ed Cosman over at WKTU. You know. I go, yeah? WKTU was soft rock. It was Uh the station. Right. Soft rock. I could do that. Yes, you can. The mellow sound of WKTU. I could do that, I figured. (laughs) (laughs) My father says, I'll I'll ask Eddie Cosman to play your tape for the program (laughs) director. And there comes that tape again.
2: (laughs) Back with the tape.
1: Okay, a little bit more, guys. Corner. (laughs) And so uh, my father uses his influence because he knows a big guy in radio. Yeah. That's nice. And he says um All right, he says I'll get you a meeting with Ed Cosman. So I go into the city, WKTU New York.
2: Big station.
1: Big station. Where and, was it at the time, you remember? Yeah, I don't even know. He's yeah. next to my father's recording studio, so you know, no, my father's And you don't know. Jerk, <laughs> and he's now getting the he sees I'm desperate, he gets Okay, let me play a little bit more. The friend involved. That's the worst thing. So, <laughs> Cosman doesn't want to meet with me. He's a big-time radio general manager. He do not want to meet with me. And here I am walking. I walk in. I go, uh, uh he goes, look, I'm doing this as a favor for your father. <laughs> oh, no. There's two jobs in radio. Either you're in sales or you're on the air. Which is it? He goes, if you go on the air, you never make any money. He goes, if you want to be a salesman, I don't have any openings but I'll
5: keep you in mind. Okay. Um, I'd like to play that a little bit you, more, but look at that. go ahead. Ben. That just shows you Ben Stern's pull, though. This guy have oh, yeah. nothing to do, and yet he's doing it
0: for Ben Stern. It mm-hmm. wants nothing to yeah. do with Howard. Yeah. Uh, which, which is going to lead into <laughs> saying, here at the tape, and he was awful, <laughs> which is not surprising in the slightest. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we played, my God, we played the shit out of King Schmaltz, and then we played yeah. his... Uh, um, WR and W stuff. And it really is it's milk shocking. toast. It's shockingly awful. Yeah. So you go out and get some experience and then
1: come and talk to me. Like, I don't want to be a salesman. That salesman sounds scary to me. Like I'd actually have to. You'd already call the rabbi. You know, <laughs> Yeah, you <know. laughs> I don't have that ability. <laughs> so I give him the tape. He says, I'll play it for Larry Miller, the program director. Larry Miller was the buzz in radio back yes. then. You know, he was the guy who developed soft rock for KTU. He introduces me to Larry Miller. I go, hi. Cosman goes, I want you to listen to this tape and call this kid and tell him whether or not you'll hire him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the minute he said he was scared, Sam, I had to laugh. I knew oh, you would. God.
3: It's like a, you know, oh, the salesman, the thriller video. She's like yeah. being attacked on the couch.
5: Yeah. <laughs> but th- I was watching a, a, a college uh, <laughs> campus. On YouTube earlier today, and the big thing is always to say, "I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe with the speaker coming. I don't feel safe with this or that." And that's why I say again, Howard invented 2022. Here he is. Uh, yeah. you Want to be a salesman? I don't feel safe uh, yeah. being a salesman. <laughs>
3: no, it's like you know, I picture Halloween costumes, a bunch of well-dressed Brooks Brothers suits guys yeah, in right. fucking briefcases.
0: <laughs> and, and and Howard in a in a panic room, yeah, <laughs> being surrounded by all these sartorial-looking guys.
1: I go home. I'm calling Larry Miller every day. I never heard from him. Finally gets on the phone and goes, look, you're horrible. You're not working at WKTU. Radio's not for you. Jesus. Oh, it was a nightmare.
2: <laughs> you're like
1: over this boy. You had six. some nerve calling him back when they weren't calling you. In the meantime, my father then calls in another favor from a guy. You know who the guy
0: is. Oh,
4: yeah. Roy Eaton. Mm-hmm. He
0: worked at Benton Bulls. the same average. Okay, so his dad is doing Uh, whatever he can to get his retarded son into the workforce. But he's the asshole. And you know that Ben knows Howard is
5: terrible. Yes. Ben Ben has worked with professional um, voice artists. He knows what a good quality sounding voice is, a good delivery is, and so on. Good Mm -hmm. read. His son has none of that, and he's still putting his neck out there and saying, can you meet my son? I oh, mean yeah. that's um, that shows you how faithful he was to his son. Yeah, he wasn't loyal. saying I'm not going to go and risk my friendship with this guy. Risk my, you know, the, I don't ask favors. You want me to ask this favor of this guy? You're not good enough. That's what he could have done. Oh yeah, uh, but but he didn't.
3: He he's the Hunter Biden of the Stern family.
5: <laughs> yeah. Right,
3: <laughs> the nepotism. Yep,
1: advertising agency. I'm working at.
3: <laughs> You're at Benton Bulls when he calls Roy.
1: He called Roy because I wanted to get into something creative, right. and Roy was in charge of. The, he was the music director right. at Benton Bowls, and he's gonna I, maybe give me a job in the creative side of things. Things were getting real bad at the advertising job. Finally, I walked in. I quit. They go, "You give notice." I go, "No." I go, "I, I got <laughs> to get out of here." Your notice is now. And, yeah, and they were pissed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so <laughs> just like that, this is the beginning of his always screwing
5: over his employers. Yes, 100%. always leaving on bad terms. Oh yeah, yeah.
3: Getting in on a favor and leaving them in the lurch. Mm-hmm. Congrats. Oh
0: god! Oh god! Mm-hmm. One one of one of my my brother's brother-in-law, his his wife's brother, quit a job one time. By writing on a handkerchief, I quit, so-and-so, and and leaving it on the cash register, and then it was a hot dog place, so then he took about a a hundred frozen hot dogs, like the ones he liked from the freezer, put them on his bike, and went home.
3: (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: I mean, there are ways to leave a job, and there are certain ways you don't leave a job, and burning bridges in that industry, in any industry, is just like... Not just the karma aspect, but it's New York. I mean, you it's you can get a shitty name pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah.
5: I can't. I I I don't know if it was. <clears throat> I don't know enough to know if it was um, standard courtesy back then to give two weeks notice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really
0: unthinkable to just go. Ah, I'm just leaving. That's all. And. And Robin did the same thing with, with when she was in Harrisburg. She uh, left them high and dry without. She goes, "Fuck this! I'm going to another place. That's your problem." But we and, uh, you a chance, uh, yeah, yeah, that's your yeah. punishment for giving me a chance. <laughs> that's completely right.
2: The day he
1: went in to tell them that he was leaving, they kept him in the office for over two hours to try to convince him to stay. But he was leaving. One
2: more song.
1: Stay. That very day, I get a call from Benton and Bowles, the whole creative department. They're going to hire me based on Roy Eaton's suggestion. The whole creative uh-huh.
5: department called
1: me. <laughs> to work in their film division. Oh, this is a big break. Okay, a little bit more. I'm going to get you. It's a slow job. You're an A.V. guy. You know, like an the A.V. guy in high bottom, school? At the bottom. At the bottom. You're going
2: to be pushing a cart.
1: Well, if they have a meeting with a client, I'm the guy who cues up the tape yeah, and yeah. all this you kind of stuff. You hit the button yeah. and
0: change the slides, whatever. Yeah. But
1: at hey. least I'm all excited. I go in. For my job. I'm on there the first day. They give me all oh, my assignment to show me equipment I need to learn to work and all this stuff. They call me into an office, and they go, did you just quit
3: <laughs> this
1: company? I go, well, not really. Uh, they go, you didn't give any notice, did you? I go, no.
3: Oh, so he was JD.
5: <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> yeah, I, th- yeah. I explain. It can explain why he so identifies with JD. Oh yeah. Not only did they have a similar job, but I mean that would have been Howard's life if oh, uh, yeah. fame hadn't intervened. Oh, totally.
1: No, they go you're out of here
5: oh we can't imagine that
1: i blocked all this out come to think of it wow you you never told us you were hired at benton and bowls and then fired on the same day i was so humiliated they said leave now
2: oh (laughs) wow i had to go
1: to roy eaton because he was my father's friend and i said thank you for recommending me He goes, i understand that based on my recommendation i hired you and you 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 left here with no notice i go i'm I'm terribly sorry he goes i
5: look bad i go i Oh. Everyone looks bad. for recommending.
3: Everyone. Roy, yeah. Ben. Ben. Yep. Well, yep. fuck them. Fuck them.
5: Yep.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> That's no. nice going dead. Uh, uh, not half as bad as I look. Oh, no wonder you're still doing favors. And then him. my father's like, I hope nothing bad happens to Roy. He did me a favor. Now, now I'm like, I'm, I'm.
0: Now you're getting everybody into trouble.
1: I'm, 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 it's horrible. <laughs> right now, at a young no. age,
0: you're just crazed with stress. Fuck the stress. He is because a good guy. Because
3: you caused the yes. stress. This yeah, is I self-induced mean, induced stress?
5: Mm-hmm. What enabling by Artie mm-hmm. or you is the, the takeaway? Mm-hmm. No, you screwed everybody, and you got a little bit of instant karma. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, you're more worried about uh, you know that the, the the inconvenience it caused you. Yes, absolutely. You just absolutely.
3: to skate away like a slithering piece of shit.
5: And <laughs> <At> his first <laughs> instinct is to lie. Did you just quit our company? Not really. I mean, it's all—it's all so <laughs> also Sort of. Science, it's all
3: sort of. <laughs> what?
0: That's on, that's on par. I'm trying huh? to think of um. There's a Clark. I don't know if did I tell the story. Clark Gable was looking for an agent back in the day, and uh, there's this guy Charlie Gold. He was a little agent somewhere in Beverly Hills, and uh, they went to ball games. They met. They just kind of like uh, tried to hit. They were hitting it off, and. Um, uh Clark Gable goes to Charlie Gold's office with just a little secretary. It's a really small place. And he goes, you know what, Charlie, I like this place. Really, it's not ostentatious. You know, it's really quiet here. And, you know, I think we'd really get along. Tell me, are you Jewish? And Charlie Gold, he kind of pauses, looks around and goes, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> I, just love, I just love covering all bases in, in a situation like this. He yeah. goes, he, so he, he screws this up. Not only does his dad look like a shithead, the, the place that hires, they're wasting time. And the buddy who's done him a favor looks like a shithead. So there really is no, um, and there, he, he doesn't sound like, okay, he's, he says he's embarrassed. I don't think he gave a fuck either way who no, he inconvenienced or who he put no. out no fucking way guys going back in forward in time he's uh, finished or, or he's sort of still going trying to transition from wrnw briar manor and uh working his way to get to the job he takes in hartford wccc so this clip is called stern endears himself to clients
4: Another outlet in which Howard invested his nascent creativity was in the delivery of live commercials and the production of recorded spots. Howard really worked hard for our clients, said Barbara Freeman, who was employed in WRNW's sales and traffic departments. A local bakery expressed its thanks by making Howard Stern cannolis, iced and decorated to depict him accurately with eyeglasses, curly hair, and big nose. The cheese wheel responded to his use of the owner in the store's commercials by sending over spreads of bagels, lox, and cheeses. Still, these were baby steps in Howard's development. The more daring radio was being practiced by Joe from Chicago, who hosted the show that followed Howard's midday shift.
0: And so we're on page 39 for anybody following along. And we're at the middle, just the third paragraph, more or less. And Sam, did you want to read the... um...
3: I did want to say this, that they left out of it. They said, when he said the cheese wheel responded to his use of the owner in the store's commercials by sending over, sending over spreads of bagels, lox and cheeses. Then they say, quote, we ate very well because of Howard, end Mm -hmm. quote, Freeman added, which is interesting because you think of all the gets that Howard had over his career and how much he disliked people getting something from these freebies. Yeah, I yeah. mean, even after we the can <laughs> we can remember how much he despised anybody getting anything, not even a fucking bagel.
5: Mm-hmm. For, like yeah. his
3: staff, meaning so right. that quote you know, really like
5: what what, what this what this really reveals to me though is Howard really separates himself from the rest of the talent because that's where the, yeah. the separation is by being interested in and kissing the asses of the advertisers which is something that the talent or an editorial would be the edit side is one side the advertising is another side you usually don't cross um, and when they when advertising does t- try to cross over and say hey can you do this or that it's usually you know crossed arms no we're not we're not doing that mm-hmm. so it's rare on the ad side when you go wait a minute the talent is actually kissing my client's ass, bringing Mm -hmm. them on, you know, seeing what they want and all that kind of stuff. So Howard, from the very beginning, made it clear, I'm not on the side of the talent. You know, I'm on your side. And that, that has carried through his entire career.
3: But on that end, it is, although that's true, that's also something that helped elevate him because corporate money talks bigger than the game of on air talent, right? So, if you have corporate sponsors that are, you know, paying for airtime and you got a guy that is going to present it in some sort of way that's going to make it desirable and mm-hmm. they are going to continue to pay for airtime mm-hmm. more so, and then they're going to bring on other sponsors. So, Howard was building this sort of, I guess, Almost pyramid scheme from his his career to their sponsorships and businesses.
0: But it but it also brings to mind like the fact that later on in his career, and not even that late, much later, let's say even a decade later, he was notoriously awful to to well to meeting with uh, ad people or meeting with
5: sales. Once he
3: didn't need him anymore. Once he didn't need him anymore.
0: Yeah. That that
5: actually, uh, there are there in this book they talk about. There's they talked to an advertiser who said that they were so surprised that when they sat with Howard, he had questions about their products. That he, because he, you know, his his strategy usually is to weave it in conversationally at first. Yes. And then slowly over time, lo and behold, they're actually an advertiser. And if you remember, he actually there just did l- that with with Nutrisystem. He yeah. actually just started talking about Nutrisystem one day. And then mm-hmm. they were an advertiser. He did the same thing with New Balance recently, uh, so just did, talking about New Balance one day. And then there are sketchers. Well, i sorry. But it that also didn't that, changed. Yeah.
3: It, yeah. it changed the whole game, though, when social media came about and yeah. people started having to say paid by because yes. before yeah. you didn't have to say that you were paid by. So you mm-hmm. genuinely thought when you were listening to these ads, which yeah. are ads, they aren't mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, just something that comes off like naturally. These were ads, but Howard didn't have to say they were ads. Well, so that's, right. that's how he got away with doing all of this. And that's what built a lot of him up to, I think, his whole career from doing mm-hmm. these fake ads.
0: Well, then, yeah, until it became, uh, I guess, illegal. To uh, well, endorse yeah, a product without, yeah, and then th- there later. was actually there were some lawsuits involved um, later on, which with his name involved, with like uh, personal fantasy cards or something like he had Pam Anderson in the studio and said, oh, you know, Pamela, have you ever used these? Da 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 da, and all of a sudden that was <laughs> the ad. Carrie <laughs> talked about it when we were still at RG, and uh, he did a show, and basically because they were doing a, the whole the whole theme was. Um, lawsuits in the stern world and that was one of them and I found that fascinating because that's part of the radio industry you don't get to hear about and certainly he's Mm -hmm. not something he's going to talk about himself yep
3: he actually complained about this um I remember it was a Kraft macaroni and cheese ad yes yes and and he complained about this saying Mm -hmm. this is an ad who is falling for this and was really upset and that really blew my mind because I was like dude you built a whole career (laughs) I'm yeah, doing yeah. this.
5: And I don't Did think you, for a second that, you, that was actually an ad. Was just her saying that sometimes she rocks the Kraft macaroni and cheese. That's yeah, she, right.
3: she just says whatever. She really, like, I don't think, was making an ad either
0: if you go on if you go on a, a late night show and you said i was crying I, t- I had to put the i had to put kleenex i had to wipe my nose with kleenex or something is that a kleenex ad or right. is it so universally known right. as tissue you know most people don't say tissue they might say kleenex um you know what i mean it's it's become ubiquitous i, right. I at, at any rate so later on the other then then it becomes yeah, I have a hard time. I'm not gonna, he, we couldn't get him to meet with sponsors. Chiasano said, you're difficult when it comes to getting sponsorship money. And it really was about, at, I think at that point, I'm not getting enough dividends from the, the, mm. the live reads. I'm not getting enough of a percentage. I need more. Uh, that, that could him, be. Him being well, a dick about that.
3: Well, I think it became, once you realize, once he built this acumen for doing this sort of thing, And then he was elevated to this certain status of success. He Mm. doesn't just want to be paid. uh, He just doesn't want to be paid like a fee. You know, Mm -hmm. he wants Mm -hmm. a piece of the pie, like an actual piece of company's pies.
5: Yeah. Well, you know, um, there's the advertising buy-in of you can advertise on the show or for a premium. Howard will read the ad copy himself. Now, I think Howard, like you just suggested, probably between he and Buckwell said you deserve a much bigger cut if you're going to be reading these ads than what you're
0: Mm -hmm. getting. Mm -hmm.
5: But the foundation of all that is, Howard crosses the line that other DJs don't want to cross, which is I'll be the friend to the advertiser. And, you know, it's a kind of a silly thing. It makes sense from a business perspective. I mean, the advertisers are what's paying your salary. So, you know, you should be thankful that they have advertising and so on. And you shouldn't be scoffing and going, I don't meet with advertisers or whatever, because, you know, it's a, it it comes with the job. Howard business. Yes. And Howard not being a true, a uh, artsy guy like these other DJs were had yeah. no problem with that, and they right. recognized that in him right away. That yeah. this is not they a guy. Did. You
0: know, this is a this is a company man. That's
5: right. Funny he'll enough, lube it
3: up.
0: He'll lube up and take it as far mm-hmm. as we want. Yep.
3: Podcasting was totally, you know, lucrative from ads. So when it started, you know, you mm-hmm. wanted those sponsorship spots. You wanted. Mm-hmm you know, you hoped that somebody would sponsor your podcast, whether it be mm-hmm. like Bluetooth or whatever. Sure. You, know, you heard a lot of the similar ads played on Rogan in the beginning or Ari Shafir's podcast or stuff yep. like that. And, yep. you know, so I think that it is a, he, he did link those relationships together of like that being important. And it is. It is. But it also Mm -hmm. was back then, as Ben said, you could tell you're a hapless idiot who needs, who know, who sees what the bottom line is more than what your talent is.
0: Well, I mean, he he knew he knew the way he was going to make it there was to be a company guy and do whatever the fuck they said, because he was useless as a DJ, didn't know what music to play, sounded like shit, uh, but they just needed a warm body. They needed a warm body to fill up an air shift and do some grunt work. And yes, sir, saw, no, sir, three but he bags. Saw for,
3: how sir. he could leverage his position by being a promoter of oh, yeah. the bottom dollar. Yeah. And ultimately, you got to give yeah. him credit for that.
5: Yeah. And then yeah, I do. Got I, 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 I yeah, I will say you would give him credit. You wouldn't say he was an artist. You wouldn't no. say no. he was talent. You wouldn't say you would say he was, it was shrewd. Uh, yeah. Anything, I mean, you would just say he was a malleable Co- loyal company man that, that's right that um you know the that what pays the bills is you being nice to the cheese wheel so i'll be nice to the cheese wheel
0: that's right, uh, that's right. That,
5: that that was it
0: so joe pie joe from chicago he was the one that uh he's, again this is like an early sort of an uh, uh, an early influence of howard but i don't know that you'll ever hear he'll, he'll i mean he'll he'll talk about it here and there i believe but either way well, he gave him the, the, the name how weird that's right. Um, Joe looked on during a broadcast interview with Al Jiro as the singer gave a dazzling display of percussion by patting out a rhythm on his own kneecaps. Joe crafted audio theater out of his wide choices in music, comedy recordings such as those by the Fireside, Fireside Theater and studio sketches. There were dramatizations of the weather forecast. Joe played a robot that pondered meteorological readings supplied by weatherman Phil Rodent, newsman Ted Bonnet, who pretended to be speaking from a wind-torn mountaintop or being swept away or wild being swept away by the Gulf Stream. And now here's the, uh, the next clip, which is Joe stuck out. Howard wanted to stick out.
4: Howard watched because Joe stuck out. He wanted to stick out, too.
0: Okay, so it says here, Howard would enter the studio and ask, how do you guys do that? Bonnet recalled. He was still in his pupa stage. He was still finding himself. And uh, then it goes into on pages. We're page 40 now, guys, if you're following along. The impressionable side of Howard gave management the sense that he could be turned into a stabilizing influence amongst among his more rebellious peers. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So this Uh, is somebody. it, It reminds me of, you know, like. If you're in a union and you want a management mouthpiece, this is this is somebody yes, yes, that yes, they exactly. would implant in exactly. your contract yeah. talks. Right you the problem want is somebody that's a management the is mouthpiece.
5: He couldn't he couldn't be a la- liaison for that staff cuz they were already too established. You know, yeah. it's us versus them. So that staff has to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, going forward,
0: you'll be the guy who makes it known. The advertisers rule. Yep, You're- and also, and also in the movie, as opposed to the way he paints it in private parts, where he's the, the you know pig vomit, which is actually you know a, a combination of people, um, or pig virus, whatever they call it. I think they call him pig vomit in the in the in the movie. Um, he's the corporate. He's he's trying to be anti corporate or anti whatever anti establishment. Right. But he would be the guy in the suit in this situation. Yes. And could and say, listen, I, he, and he, if he had the balls and was really honest, would say, I was that person. I understand so, that situation.
3: So we could sit here and say, like I did, that it's kind of smart on Howard's part, especially if he doesn't have talent to go mm-hmm. this route, right? Sure. But the domino effect of what this does on free speech, what this does on actual— well, that's the part where it really, really fucks things up because well, yes. it, it hurts. It that's, hurts that's, talent that's, and it hurts right. the freedom of speech and creativity in DJs worldwide. If then you realize, oh, we need on mm-hmm. air talent that's going to kowtow to this. We need on air talent that's going to promote this. We need these corporate hack management mouthpiece fake free speech motherfuckers. That's what he did. That's what he did. So it was in general a bad thing. A selfish. Well, yeah,
5: yeah. A lot of times these dominoes are in the interest of appeasing advertisers or or something then then we'll do this and then you know and an industry changes you might be like you know we'll make some movies to babysit your kids and then suddenly that's the only movies that are made you know yeah um and so on because those those are the ones that make money and it's this mm-hmm. and you understand they want to make money they're not trying to uh change your
0: life no and so, they're not trying to reinvent uh, the wheel for sure
5: right right and so the the disc jockey who no longer is the dirtbag stoner um, who you right. can't speak to, uh, but yeah. is now the the you know the the permed guy in the <laughs> in, in the turtleneck, and um, willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. That's uh, you know, Howard's that new generation of uh yeah. of, of, of um, malleable guys who are on the side of the advertiser.
3: It reminds me a lot of the fourth state of journalism, where it was you know you got these coffee drinking middle class people who want to go against the man and they want to stick up for the voices that aren't heard. And then all of a sudden, this is a bunch of kids. How could they afford to live in all these places? They're trust fund kids that are going to journalism school. And instead of being, you know, an, uh, an antagonist they're on the side of, yep.
5: yeah.
3: and they want, they want that seat next to power. They don't well, want to rally against power.
5: I was getting ready to say uh, related somewhat to this. Have you ever heard anyone on the talent side, which like Howard is supposed to be Mm -hmm. more friendly with the suit side than Howard is? I mean, he knows every studio executive. He takes lunches with every studio exec. I mean, Ted he's giving them, you know, birthday party invitations and he's meeting with, um, uh, Bob Iger. uh, Yeah. Bob Iger and Brad gray and all these other guys. And, uh, People to the point where Letterman would be like, "You meet with these people? I mean, mm-hmm. you're supposed to go. They are not in the same world as us." That's and I'm right. I'm sure that's what the, I'm sure that's what his DJ fellow DJs were saying too. You right. sit with cheese wheel people? Why? Yeah. And uh, right. you know that's he's always felt more comfortable being the double agent. Like yeah. I can talk to these people. If this was the
0: union, I can talk to those people. And trust me. Yep. And so the next clip goes into that, and it's called Goodbye to Joe, Hello Corporate Sellout Wiggy.
4: After Lake Champlain Broadcasting announced in June 1977 a plan to sell the station for $450,000, the company released Barnett, who had hired Howard. Joe from Chicago became the new program director. However, after the sale was closed, Joe was axed, and Howard succeeded him as program director, graduating to a $12,000 annual salary.
0: Okay, so right uh, right around the, that middle part of page 40, it, it completely omits some of, the, um, some of the write-up here. So, um, uh, the, the two new owners doing business as WRNW Inc. sought to attract a wider audience by imposing a tighter rein on the music format than they thought Joe could implement. Because Howard did not display a burning passion for WRNW's progressive rock sound, he seemed a more pliable, that's a key word, guys, pliable choice for the mission. And then it says here, Uh, Howard also got along with Yubi, I think it's pronounced Yubi, Yubi Levin, the Israeli-born sales manager who survived the transfer of the station, becoming general manager under the new owners. I wanted to make the station more profitable, Levin uh, recalled. Uh, That hard rock format... It was not the way to go. It was successful for kids, but at one point I couldn't take it anymore. Howard and I were the same along the line about along the same line about that. Uh, he was not a burned out rock and roll type. I got along with him very well because he wasn't like the others. He knew exactly what I wanted. So mm-hmm. this goes into the next one. Rebel Rebel My Ass.
4: Howard's colleagues point to the sale of WRNW as the beginning of the station's end as an outlet for progressive rock. Unanimously recalling how much they liked Howard personally, they also cite his elevation to program director as evidence that he was essentially colorless and non combative, in Jekyll and mm-hmm. Hyde contrast to the radio personality of today. Yeah, exactly. So,
3: this is speaking to the exact point we were saying. You're a management mouthpiece, mm-hmm. you're a double yeah, agent. Yeah. You're, you're going to. You're Tom <laughs>
0: You're
3: going to. What do we want? When do we want it? And you're mm-hmm. going to be that person that's going to pretend that you're giving me what we want. But you're really going back to the other side and talking out the other side of your mouth.
5: Yeah, it, uh, uh, it, it had to have been strange for these people. More talented than Howard. Far more knowledgeable about music than Howard. Far yeah. more passionate about radio than Howard. Far better at radio than Howard to see him come in and go this guy is terrible and what 6 months or so go by and suddenly mm-hmm. he's at the top of the radio side this guy right. with no experience really right um, you know i've pointed out before that the that they you know there was a the, the the money they go into this in the history of Howard Stern the money was the the, the radio station was set up before as almost like a money loser it was okay mm-hmm. to just lost money that's right it wasn't it wasn't it was uh it was not a meant to be as a, a profitable endeavor. Mm-hmm. And then they sold it to people who, to these two Jewish guys who wanted it to be profitable. And you, mm-hmm. and you uh, so, you know, I've pointed out before that, uh, you know, I, I make a I make a point of pointing out that they're Jewish because Howard has made a point about pointing out how much he likes working with Mel Karmazin because Mel Karmazin's Jewish. Mm-hmm. He points that out whenever he leaves, uh, when he leaves WNBC. Um, I do think he probably plays up that he's Jewish and that the others aren't whenever um, it comes down to, look, I understand this is a business. I understand, yeah. you know, um, the, these guys the, the, uh, are not like us and so on. Um, it's, it's possible. It's very possible. It's possible. Yeah, I would not be surprised. And, and I, you know, I, I have to point this out. I don't mean that as any kind of uh, judgment or anything like that. I'm just saying he, he probably used whatever resources he could, including,
0: yes. you know, yeah. we're both
5: also sort sure. of,
3: of like kin.
0: Yeah. Yes. Like it's Yeah, you know, I, I'm a yid too. Like, like let's right. let's break like, bread. You suddenly know, you can, he's showing you up wearing
5: me. a yamaka and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, <laughs> but, but but anyway, in any case, I mean, they notice right away that he's malleable. Anyway, that had to have been surprising because you think that they're going to give it to the guy who's most talented or the really? guy who's most interested in radio and most experienced or most uh, connected to the music scene or whatever. And no, they give it to the guy who's most malleable. Um, or
3: Or you see this as, too, what I think is the start of, oh, my gosh, talent is no longer, you know, it seems like these strongholds of radio talent that are really just trying to say, no, we're going to play what we want to play. We're trying to bring in this progressive rock. We're trying to introduce things. We don't care if it makes money because this is good shit. And eventually it's going to catch on. You know, it's these creatives. Mm -hmm, And it seems like Howard putting his flag in the ground of saying, meh, I'm going to, I'm going to double, I'm going to be a double agent. That totally changed the game to where it is now, where you have to be these people pleasing, not, yeah. yeah, not against the man type of people.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, if, if, if he hadn't been that type and, or, you know, if the station hadn't sold, yeah. who knows? I mean, you know how different his life would have been. I mean, it's, you know, the way life unfolded around him has p- pushed him in new directions and given him things. That, I mean, you know, we always oh, hear yeah. about 90, ninety-six dollars a week, ninety-six dollars a week, but we don't hear that in six months he was already moved to the very top position in radio in that station. There was we no We also don't hear about
3: the connections. We don't hear about the right. the right. ad ad jobs and the Ben calling in favors. None of that.
0: Right. Well, it's it's certainly not emphasized. Uh, enough when he does this whole retrospective look at it back, look back into the kaleidoscope that is that is his life and, uh, you know, how much Ben actually did for him and, and all we're hearing now, because at one point I was curious, what would it be like when his parents die? Like, are, is he going to be in the fetal position or yeah, is he gonna you know, in the fine. opposite direction? You know, like he's he's literally going to piss on them while they're dying yeah, and when they're is. dead. Yeah. It, it really, it truly is remarkable though. Here he is,
5: six months out of college, basically, or I yep. mean, six months in the workforce, yep. a 23 year old guy, and right. suddenly he's now the general manager or the, the uh, <laughs> uh, what is he, what is he, the um, program director? Manager, program sure. director. Yeah. Program Turning director,
3: down which, jobs. <laughs>
5: which sounds very prestigious, you know, it's, uh, and it only happens because these new owners come in and they say, Who's going to obey and who's not going to obey? Keep the guy who Mm -hmm. obeys, get rid of the rest.
0: Uh, Ben, do you have the book on you?
5: Yes.
3: And By the way, when you say he doesn't obey or like obey, who's going to be the guy. That's the thing that pisses me off the most is his own narrative is he was the guy that didn't obey. He's the rebel. So I can't, I can't, I, why we do this one, especially is because that, anti-hero rhetoric that he proclaims is right. such bullshit.
0: Yeah, All complete. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Ben, if you go to page 41 at the top, right after, uh, right where Joe, the uh, Joe from Chicago talks about him in quote marks, we had, could yes. you read that paragraph and the next one uh, the, this, the, those two paragraphs? Yeah.
5: We had okay. caused a ruckus to make an impact. Joe said, but the new owners wanted to follow a predetermined format. Howard didn't have strong feelings about it one way or another. He was not entrenched at the station. He was not a programmer per se, nor did he have a powerful show. He was a mellow jock. That was all a quote. Uh, Then on the next, no quote. Uh, On one key point, however, Howard and Levin disagreed. Howard wanted to remain on the air, even though, according to Levin, he sounded horrible, horrible, (laughs) horrible. I didn't see any potential for him whatsoever. Levin relented only because Howard insisted on retaining an air shift before he would accept the programming job. And that's only because Ben Stern made him insist that.
0: Yes, absolutely.
3: So we got Ben's advice superseding again and helping. Mm -hmm. And then we also have the truth about how... He didn't care if he was a bad boy as much as he cared about keeping his voice on air, regardless of the situation.
0: That's right. And, and Keep the word, in mind,
5: too, yeah, at yeah, this sorry. point, I was going to say, I'm sorry, I was going to say, at this point, how they had started to warm up to Howard a little bit. They had invited him to house parties. Mm-hmm. Howard was in love with Meg, even though he was engaged to Allison. Yeah, right. Um he had started to, you know, they 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 had tr- like teased him and you know given him advice, given him, you know, loosen up on the air and so on. But they liked and him. And they liked him. And yeah. uh, you know, he goes to one of their house parties. And remember, there's a conversation about could I could I ever get TM and get my mom to levitate off the ground. Yes, that, that's coming up. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, okay. So in any case, he he was starting to befriend. I mean, these kids were these people were showing that they're not outsiders who are like you can't join our cool club that's
0: right they were I starting to
5: welcome him in and suddenly he's like goodbye right uh right. i could
0: i stand to get promoted goodbye right it's funny it's because in the 1970s i'm thinking of the punk movement which was um a, a lot it, it was so it was it, it became as in in some ways as formulaic as as any other type of music but in the genre, like homosexuality was completely acceptable. Uh, Men, women, it didn't matter. There were no real gender barriers in punk in terms of the audience and definitely in the, uh, in the bands at the time. So it was actually like
3: uh, documentaries and he, what was it? That, bar EBGBs or whatever uh CBGBs. CBGB sorry in <laughs> new okay. york city yeah. and you look at those scenes there it's gender fluid across the map i mean That's you right. can't tell a girl from a boy and a boy from a girl in some well, of those yeah wayne and
0: these county guys would, was uh, trans on stage jane county when you know eventually became jane county yeah uh, I'm sorry. it's a huge regret to
5: Howard that he didn't go. These guys used to go to CBGBs and invite Howard, and he wouldn't go with them. <laughs>
2: so, I believe
5: he's that not, he's
0: not interested in music. He's scared yeah. of the city, scared of the scene. Oh yeah, and so the next clip is called "Seals and Croft." Didn't seem to make it onto the Private Parts soundtrack. <sighs> I wonder why.
3: Could you imagine not taking? A- could you imagine not taking an invite there and seeing like Blondie or something? I mean, like what?
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, at that at the heyday. While continuing to do a four-hour show each day, Howard steered WRNW toward Softer Rock. Okay. Red Schreier, one of the new owners, found Howard to-
0: So one sec, right, I got to go into this. So that's part of the book. And then it says, you still had some freedom to choose, but instead of the Sex Pistols or James Gang, you were now playing Seals and Crofts, Carol King, and the other singer-songwriters were called Bruce Figler, a disc jockey who had worked in the, who, the wee hours. The hard sounds of The Who and The Rolling Stones were all but eliminated. You uh, got, uh, how- so you were, yeah.
3: you were playing You Got a Friend? <laughs>
0: so now it started to come across like an ever so serious program director and cheerleader there has been a complete void in covering any kind of local issues everything from local government to happenings in the schools just taking calls speaking to people finding out what westchester's needs are he told a freelance local freelance writer for the new york times in 1978 that's our edge that's the difference
5: yeah i gotta tell you i gotta tell you that uh that that guy, the guy saying radio needs to be local, 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 is yep. the same guy Howard fights all the time. Saying they said they couldn't syndicate my show; it had to be local. They had to talk about local news, local yep. school closings, local. That's you. So to, when you're on the side, when you're coming up, you're the mm-hmm. guy who says it has to be local, 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 local. As you're trying to expand and make more money, you go fuck these people who say it needs to be local. But that's yeah. you. Yeah.
3: Yes. And on top of it too, when he, he says. Finding out what Westchester really needs. If anybody knows what Westchester is, it, it ain't it ain't CBGBs. It, it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not that scene. So yeah, they dead boys. So what they were trying to do, what DJ should have done, like these people who were there, you're bringing a scene into that suburban, you know. Mm-hmm. You're bringing that upper crust community into the a scene, which is what your job should be as an on-air talent, not promoting so much of the boring,
5: Right. Yeah. Well, those yeah. guys had a sort of fantasy job as well because yes. they were not ratings weren't measured. When you're no. when it's 3000 yeah. watts, you're not measured. So, mm-hmm. you know, the the only measure is can we get in more um are are people willing to pay to advertise on us? So, yes. You know, that's really the only measurement of success. And right. so if they say, you know, there's this new format called AOR, called Softrock. And mm-hmm. people are willing to spend money on this, whereas, you know, we're getting the cheese wheel now. We might be getting Cheesecake Factory later, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so it's enticing, you know, so I it's it's all business in the end. I mean, however romantic yeah. we want to make it, it's all business in the end. And mm-hmm. um, and Howard did understand that then.
0: Yep.
4: Be one oh, of yeah. The most capable and young men on the staff, very pleasant and always very cooperative, the right man for the job
0: okay so yep. now we're going now we're on page 42 guys and uh, this is uh the, the next there's next paragraph uh, it's completely omitted it just says uh, uh, radio in uh, a few months later after he became the program director a description of the station and radio guide a bi-monthly publication reflected the station's more serious demeanor WRNW is a sophisticated rock format with a musical mix that includes the best in contemporary music as well as a combination of outstanding albums of the past uh, How broad broadens the musical spectrum uh with the emphasis on rock from oldies to new wave and sprinklings of jazz soul funk and folk i'm sure it was mas- mostly fucking folk let's be honest um yeah. and he it says here he tempered his direction of wrnw's overall sound he did not interfere with the other jocks because he didn't give a fuck about them and he didn't no, give a fuck exactly. about the music yeah the ones yep. the ones who asked him for input were told you sound great don't worry about it he wouldn't have listened Anymore yeah. than he listens yeah. to your movie when you come in to plug it or your album when you've come in to plug it. He wants to hear a cover. He wants to talk about you with the movie you did 20 years ago. That's it. Also, he couldn't have imparted any advice. He's no, terrible God. himself. No, Either. that's right. Next clip, guys, is called Alison Begins Her Long Road Hell to Hell with Satan.
4: As Alison completed her master's degree in social work, the pair planned their wedding. In marked contrast to the equal opportunity offenses against religions that Howard later would commit on the radio, the choice of settings could not have been more reverent and traditional. Temple Ohabi Shalom, which means lovers of peace, founded in 1842, was the first Jewish congregation in Massachusetts. On June 4th, 1978, Howard and Allison entered the temple under an inscription that reads, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. They were both 24 years old.
0: <laughs> I love okay. that. I love that it was the house of peace. Meanwhile, after 9-11, he was the one saying, let's bomb a random Muslim country.
3: <laughs> uh, also, they, they left this out. They said uh, was the first Jewish congregation in Massachusetts. But then they said, and the second oldest in New England. Mm-hmm. So we're basically talking. You're talking old money. You're talking yes. old, traditional, everything. When it, it says comes it was to founded, that,
0: it said it was founded in 1842.
3: This isn't some happenstance of where you're deciding to get married. This is. Oh no, everything. no, Allison's
0: father, I'm sure,
5: paid for everything. She oh, was. Yeah. Uh, he was the president of a successful company, mm-hmm. a vacuum comp company. If I remember right, I believe so. Um, yeah.
0: So.
3: You did everything yeah. right.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the next clip, guys, is called Wiggy Meets His First Robin Quivers.
4: Maybe it was the love in his life, but Howard gained confidence as his programming stint progressed. Barbara Malmet, hired as news director in 1978, became his first Robin Quivers, as he commented on stories in her newscasts during the morning show they did together. Colleagues recall his broadcast from the Westchester premiere of Sgt.
0: Pepper's oh, sorry.
4: Sorry, Lonely Hearts Club Band. Although only a few people turned out to see the widely panned film, Howard stirred them to such a whooping frenzy that it sounded to WRNW listeners as if there were thousands...
0: Okay, now hold on. Sam, I would like you to read what's missing from the audiobook, and that is the third paragraph on this page where it says long accustomed to.
3: Okay.
0: <laughs> this is this is pretty telling.
3: Long accustomed to bending his six foot five height through doorways, a giant among smaller people, he took advantage of WRNW's cramped quarters by reaching out and pinching other men's nipples. <laughs> When they had to squeeze past him in tight spaces, he also joked about flatulence, especially his own. Years later, he reveled in the memory of the time that two women from the station fled his farts at a local motel during the night that he and several other staffers split the cost of a room during a snowstorm. What's more, Howard bragged about his hefty size of his bowel movements, going so far as to leave the toilet unflushed and insisting that production director Jeff Levinson go peek at his output.
0: (laughs) Okay, so so it's just it's revolting either way. The next clip is called Mr. Gould seems to avoid all the gay stuff on this page for some reason.
4: He was always engaged in some form of self-denigration," said Jeff Levinson, who collaborated with Howard on many commercials. He seemed wildly uncomfortable in his own body, <laughs> um, gross oh, as some of what, Howard's gestures. Oh, were. sorry.
0: Before I go into that, could you read the paragraph about that Meg Griffin? The next one, Ben. Oh, I'm sorry. I closed my book. What page? Oh, I'm sorry. Is, uh, page forty three, right after, uh, right. It's sp- a second last paragraph. Okay, disc jockey Meg Griffin. <clears throat> yeah.
5: Disc Jockey Griffin. To see him back then was like seeing a Beavis and Butthead nerd kind of a guy. He had thick glasses and was much heavier. His short hair was like Brillo. It was a real unfortunate look.
4: He may have dwelled on them in order to lance larger anxieties about his physical awkwardness. He was like a comedian who secretly cries behind his laughter. His keen interest in his plumbing system may have been his unconscious way of jettisoning heavier baggage so that he could more easily struggle with managerial responsibilities he was an anxiety-ridden guy levinson added life made him anxious whether it was the boss coming in today or the commercial reading he had to do at two o'clock howard had yet to figure out a way to package his neurosis uh, and sell wait. them on the radio but he had it's learned it. how to cope with stress yep
3: it said it. They left this out commercial reading. He he had to do at two o'clock. All sorts of things made him nervous. And what Mm -hmm. this goes back to what Ben said, any responsibility
5: Mm
3: -hmm. makes Howard nervous Mm -hmm. anything. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it be this innate shit that anybody knows that they have to do every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, could you imagine getting up in the morning and you realize you got to start your car? And you're having a fucking anxiety attack because you got to leave your house. You got to start your car Mm -hmm. or you have to make breakfast. That makes you nervous. That Mm -hmm. would be the same fucking thing. Like Mm -hmm. you got to do a commercial read. Just like
5: you did. Just like you did yesterday.
0: Yep.
3: I, I mean. What?
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it goes it goes hand in hand with what we what Chicago Bob has told us about uh, NPD. They were they hate responsibility. They want to act like the the god of all they survey, but they don't actually want to do and make the decisions necessary in certain positions of power. Um, well, yeah, Sam, this
3: this goes in line with. So imagine how much he dreads that sort of you know, nothing of a responsibility. Think about Mm -hmm. when it comes to a responsibility of having a family, Mm -hmm. when it comes to raising children, when it comes to having a marriage, like
0: taking care of his parents, every aspect of his being.
3: That has to crush him. That's why he runs away from it all.
0: Well, the thing is he loves to delegate
5: and resents having to pay the people he delegates to. That's Right.
0: But like also hates hate doing it. But but also hates having to do any kind of work, delegating for that purpose because that that also yeah, gives exactly. him responsibility. Right. Like well, if yeah, I, I, I chose you to do this and you're fucking up, I'm the idiot. So it's more like, look, just make it happen. Every time there was a problem with Robin, he'd tell Gary, look, just make it work, mm-hmm. instead oh, wow. of mm-hmm. addressing the real problem, which he supposedly he did eventually confront her in the you know early Robin nutty days, which haven't have continued. Sim.
3: Well, that's why I contest right now. Sirius is not happy with him. That's why Mm -hmm. I think that Jennifer Witz or who Witz, Witz, whatever, Mm. who's taken over Sirius and he makes comments and offhanded bits about her or whatever. Oh, yeah. I think it's because she's putting responsibility on him and this person isn't going back to work. He's Mm -hmm. not producing something that's generating anything. We got guests like Amy Schumer who are faking sick and not showing up. I mean, and then
0: going to do Andy Cohen instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> right.
3: So, you know, I really feel like this sort of attitude of this makes me anxious. I don't like it. Yeah. That could have flown when you were successful and you had people covering for it. But now you don't like the responsibility. It's all you, buddy. Nobody's yep. covering for you now. You got yep. this hack team that you've had for the last 30 years. Fred ain't pulling for you. Bowie's not doing shit. What do you got? Marcy? I mean.
0: Yeah. Uh, The next clip is uh, TM. It's called TM Soothes the Savage Pelican.
4: Howard practiced transcendental meditation as faithfully as a monk says his morning and evening prayers. He was never too busy to drop everything and do it usually once in the morning and again in the afternoon.
0: So there's later in the paragraph, it says later, his colleague Barbara Freeman would give him the keys to her home near the station so that he could meditate in a quiet environment. He liked his (laughs) alone time. She said it was a very private thing with him. Well, she wouldn't have been in danger with him. Um, and then it says later in the next paragraph, it says private but not always out of view. Seated on occasion in the production studio, eyes closed as he silently repeated a mantra. He appeared as if he had nodded off to sleep, which we figure out he must have been anyway. He admitted. He admitted <laughs> to Benjamin it only always more
3: said this was napping.
0: It was mm-hmm. nap time. Yeah, it was not. And it says uh, he looked like someone's grandmother <laughs> taking a nap. <laughs> Levinson recalled. <laughs> why, why gender switch him
5: like that and say someone's grandmother? Right. I wonder. He had a mustache Yeah, at the time. I, Grandmother.
3: Because he, he seems so – to me, his body seems so feeble, thin, and his limbs and movements seem feminine.
0: Yeah, and the dowager hump.
3: He seems like an old lady in his yeah. movements.
5: He's got the shawl. Yeah, yes. I, I, you know, I think he sleeps 12 hours a day, and that's not counting meditation, which is probably uh, another nap.
0: I That is totally another another nap. Uh, the next, par- the last paragraph of the page, this again this is not in the audio book, guys. Howard was so impressed by the stress-relieving power of meditation, uh, I'm going to call it napitation now, uh, that he discussed the psychic possibility of being able to levitate himself and others. <laughs> he and Allison once threw a party, and I remember that he talked about whether it was possible to levitate his mother, Barbara Malmett said. Joe in Chicago, Joe from Chicago would ask, how's the levitating going? Howard's interest from this heady area affirmed Joe's choice of nickname. How weird.
3: It, it yeah. is crazy. If you watch, like, I watched this documentary called Surviving Death, and mm-hmm. it talks about people who do seances, and they physically can manifest things from the spirit world into the real world supposedly. And it's called mm-hmm. ectoplasm. And um, I guess this has been studied and stuff in colleges and there's physicalness to their seances. This is how good these mediums are, supposedly. OK, so I sort of believe Howard thinks that he can somehow have this energy if he repeats this mantra so much he can manifest this energy and i truly believe he's one of these dopes that thinks this is possible
5: Mm -hmm. uh well one of the um promises of transcendental meditation there's this thing called the city program and it's called yogic flying and the claim is that you can actually fly Uh, When you reach a certain level, he actually talks about this in Miss America when he meets Michael Jackson. They both start Mm -hmm. discussing this because they Mm -hmm. were both into it. Um, And so, you know, it's a scam. It's not really flying. But they uh, (laughs) the believers believe that it is flying, that it didn't mean because they haven't witnessed it. They've only heard about it. Right. Um, there's a, I just typed it in and there's some YouTube videos of it and obviously they're just hopping up in the air they're not flying. <laughs> it looks stupid <laughs> as hell but uh, you know, when you're Easter picturing it, describes to you, you're going, Jesus, I could fly through the air like that. So uh, it wasn't his idea necessarily to just levitate his mother this was something that, it was a promise of, yeah. uh, you know, go deeper yeah. into this and you're going to be able to learn how to fly. Mm-hmm.
3: I really truly think that it's a sucker who just thinks these things and believes this stuff. And it's interesting that Michael Jackson of all people would be talking to him about it because he had this magical sort of thinking of things too. Oh, now I will say more
5: than Michael Jackson.
3: No kidding. But I will say there is, you don't have to go this route. Like you can believe you can manifest things within yourself. If you have a talent that can be, you know, transcendental that can be amazing and kind of pull into the universe that's going to affect people like nobody else like a talent like Michael Jackson or do you know what I'm saying that Mm. sort of thing to manifest is fine but to think you're going to make people fucking fly I mean (laughs) you have to be an idiot
0: you mentioned you well well we're well, he is a 79 after all well it's it's you he mentioned the michael jackson meeting and in private parts he does they did at some point i don't know if it was a photo shoot or a sketch on the old e-show where he dresses like a boy in how in michael jackson that lab. was i believe the opening of new year's rotten eve or something like that yes oh maybe maybe because yeah, okay, I, I haven't seen it uh and so and then he's, he, he hires a, a dwarf who he's trying yes. to seduce. <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm thinking to myself, no one enjoyed that photo shoot more than Howard. Right. Yeah, it was an actual skit. It was yeah. uh, not a photo shoot so much as a skit. Yeah. yeah. Right. That, that, I mean, the dressing, the dressing up. <laughs> that <aspect>. Oh, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't,
3: don't you really think, though, that these artists or these people who wish to do these things? I, I, th- I think it's like you want to impart something on the world that is transformational to other people. That your art, your thing that you're doing is the transformational thing. That that's the Mm -hmm. thing that sends, you know, hairs up on everybody's neck. Like when Michael Jackson did the moonwalk for the first time Mm -hmm. or you heard Billie Jean or you, you know, that's the thing that changes the universe. You don't I don't think about you want to make people fly. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, okay. Well, either way, the, no, you're right. It's a talent. Like if you, if you, if the self-belief is one thing in using that and channeling that into your actual endeavors, your work. And so in that sense, Howard did, uh, he didn't, I don't know if he elevated the medium, but he certainly translated it into money, lots of money, lots of power, um, ad revenue, certainly for a lot of people for many, many years and managed to conceal the fact that, Really, you know, realistically, he was the sum total of DJs he'd copied from, stolen from, heard, listened to, worked mm-hmm. with, etc. And then, but then, the idea that, but even more than that was the like the the ability to hide that all for so long.
3: But can we give him the credit of the talent that he had on, like the Gilbert, the Artie? There is something transformational and something that really is the hair stand up on your neck good about some of those shows.
0: Yeah, but okay. so he's a promoter. He built the stage, maybe like he created a play. He created a format where these people could shine. But but in the end, at the end of the day, are you laughing? Are you laughing at Howard or are you laughing at the talent? It's always the talent.
3: And what yeah. would you think of it differently if you knew the real narrative of how he got there is my
0: yes, point? Absolutely. I mean, I don't know that if people knew he was a fraud earlier, he would right. never have been so big. He couldn't have been. Right. Because that would look at Mencia. Look at um, God. I don't know. Like, look at anybody not taken down by scandal necessarily, but by people who were not authentic. Um, mm-hmm. the, that guy on Twitter that, that stole jokes. Me off. Oh, yeah. Well, she was protected by the Prince of Darkness or something. I have no idea how she survived. I
3: don't know either.
0: Even just the leather special. Forget the joke stealing. Just surviving that special was was uh, miraculous. But um, at any rate, I, I, the talent, the real talent behind Howard was obviously being able to latch on to a format that worked for him, getting the right people, not paying them enough, keeping them hungry, and then... Ultimately, it's the Howard Stern show the way Seinfeld was the Seinfeld show, but Seinfeld surrounded himself with way more talented people in terms of at least TV sketch comedy um, that – not sketch comedy, but TV sitcom uh, comedy actors, let's say, that made him look better. You know, mm-hmm. you take away all those three people, especially Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who was clearly no fluke. She's had several successful series on her own as opposed to the other two.
3: Michael Richards were also talented, was amazing.
0: Granted, but – you then, what do you have? You got Jerry Seinfeld still doing stand up and maybe making some good money for himself, but he's not in big letters, Seinfeld anymore. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I really want to thank uh Ben and Sam for sitting in on this one, and uh, we're glad to have Sam back as always, and then the uh uh Ben thank you so much of course all the fans love you never narius a crossword is said about when you're on people want more of you but we they <laughs> they know they're going to get more when we get into We the
3: we appreciate officer. when we appreciate when we can get you. Yeah. And thank you. we love your honesty and love your candor.
0: Yes and you always got an open uh, you always got an open form anytime you want to sit in on an episode that um that uh, you you think you've got something to say about something just let us know and we'll let you know I, I, what we're planning yeah so th- thank you all guys we hope you enjoy this hope you're enjoying the saga and i know paul d colford would love to know that extra copies are being bought as, as a result of this so cheers from all of us at qf guys well it sounds fascinating hey Albert, this makes
1: sense I, I just read in page six diana de garmo writing a book <laughs> it's called go away little monster <laughs> <laughs> Well, Clark, I wish you luck with this book. I do.
2: And take your little dog with you. And
1: uh, I was, I'm very excited to have a reading and uh, hear what you have to say, okay? Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Thank you. Hey,
2: Art- hey, Artie, how many brain cells have you actually killed with Coke and heroin? <laughs>